This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And how are we, lads? What a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> finally, just sort of really over it, I think, properly today. Today yeah. feels like the first time feeling a lot more kind of human. You lads are younger than me. You lasted the course that little bit longer. I had to bow out. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone's seen the photos of me and Joe with big pints on the tube, that was that that's was kind incredible. Of went. You get arrested for that. <laughs> yeah, man. I know. I was think I was thinking that afterwards. I was like, I didn't, if that didn't even occur, and like I've been wary about drinking on the tube, like when sober and like pre-drinking before a night out and stuff, for that reason. But at that at that time, at that yeah. point, I was just like. Cool. Let's just carry on. We didn't. We didn't even have didn't bottles, Joe. Me. It was like we had bottles or cans. It, it was literally like a big pint glass. It just was, out yeah. the open. Like it Must was. Have been no one on duty at Bethnal Green. <laughs> that it was massive. Yeah. yeah it was a pint we left with. I don't. Why did we leave with them? I can't. Oh, I can't I, remember. Therein lies the question. We were in some like cocktail bar in Bethnal Green, and they kicked out at two. And I don't know if you remember the bouncer being really aggressive in trying to get us out. Like, he came over to us, like, the first time and was like, guys, I've told you about six times already. Can you get out? And it was like, what? No, you haven't. And then he started, like, trying to guilt trip us about needing to leave. And I think Gareth was arguing with him about how, like, he just bought a pint and he wanted to finish it. So I think we just thought we'd be rebels and we'd walk out with our drinks um, and just walk along the streets. I think we even tried to drink them at a bus stop at one point. It was just, it was too cold. We're not hardcore enough for that. I don't remember that, if I'm honest with you. I remember <laughs> drinking on the tube and, yeah... But I've no recollection of this bus stop. I've no real recollection of the bouncer, to be honest with you. But <laughs> shame on all of you. To be fair to him, he was just trying to get home, and we were those dickheads. Me, what a motley crew. Me, you, Grapple Garrus, the digital spy, Stephanie Chase. JP had already cried off home, hadn't you, at that point, JP? I had. I had. I'm an old fella, so I decided to try and get back at the absolute standard time of 4 a.m., which at oh. my age, that stuff hurts. It, I'll go in at 7 a.m. That <laughs> is know. ridiculous. Like, I, I got up and I, because me and Gareth split a hotel and Gareth had to get back for his kids back to Liverpool. So we left early and he'd already left our hotel when you texted saying that you were literally just getting home. What the fuck, Joe? I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> the bus service, like, I've always got back to Oxford, which you've got on us, got on with us yeah, before, yeah. Benno. Yeah, that's usually like a really consistent service. Hmm. For 2020, They've changed the timetable. So I got to the bus stop, and rather than it being every, I think it's every, it used to be every 20 minutes after 1 a.m., mm. every other point of the day, up until like 1 a.m., it was every 15 minutes. It's, it was an amazing service, but it's, you know, no longer as consistent and as reliable a service because I got there to find they've changed it to every hour after 1 a.m. So I got there and I just missed one and oh. I had to wait another hour. And I, I think I fell asleep at the bus stop. I can't really remember, to be honest with you. It was torrential rain at that Because I was going to go for a walk. I was going to walk from there to Shepherd's... No, sorry, to Marble Arch. No, sorry, from Marble Arch to Notting Hill. I was thinking, can I make Holland Park? But then I started walking a little bit. And I was like, this rain. I'm Fuck it. I'm just going to sit at the bus stop and get wet. Under under a bus shelter, so I don't get as wet. But I think I, think I fell asleep on the bus. And that bus service at that time takes like an hour to get back to Oxford. I was what I got on a bus around. I reckon must have been about half three, and I was woken up at about quarter past six in the morning by a bus driver, and I was in the bus station. <laughs> I, shameful behaviour on my part. I was getting on a bus, 
back to my house at half six in the morning with like people going to work and stuff oh, like that's the it's been years since that's happened years <laughs> that's the shameful stuff isn't it they're all like smartly dressed and bright eyed yeah. and you're sitting there stinking of booze thinking god what happened to my life i've been there many Sh- times joe shameful <laughs> i felt like a proper piss head <laughs> this is what like a big night at york hall when we're pros firing all cylinders joe you've got to celebrate that's oh, mate, what a week for wrestling it's been, you know, from that yeah. cracking AEW show on the, which you're watching the Thursday nights of a great Rev Pro show, like possibly the best Rev Pro show ever, in my opinion, and even a great NXT takeover last night. It's been a wonderful, fascinating, very positive, very upbeat weekend for wrestling, I think. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think that's it. That's like, there's lots of um, positive we're going to talk today. Like, JP, you even brought, like, uh, you brought the missus, didn't you? She's not a wrestling fan. On Valentine's yeah. Day, of all days. Uh, what did she make of it all? She really enjoyed it. She came back, like, because it, it was just sort of absolutely buzzing. She thought the whole thing was completely wild. Mm. Like, she didn't know what to make of L.A. Park. She really <laughs> didn't. Watching LA Park is just like, what's going on here? Why are they allowed to use? And it's just like, it's LA Park. It's kind of what he does. Um, And yeah, she was with it. There were bits where she just said, it's hard to get like what the stories are, what's leading up to this stuff. And I was then thinking, fucking video screens. Mm. Really could have done with a couple of video screens. But overall, no, no, she she has thoughts on like, overall, she likes Osprey. L.A. Park, Dan Maloney as well. Do you like David Starr? Yeah. But good first night. Did you like David Starr and Eddie Kingston in the in the uh, in the uh, greasy takeaway we went to, or, or actually in the match? Is, is that what you said? I I think I think a bit of both. <laughs> I think a bit of both, and I'd already said to him about about his uh, his union politics, and <laughs> he was very happy. She's in the union at work as well, so uh, that, that's yeah. that's a he hell. Liked it. That's a hell of a photo we've got. All those lots, you know, like a Ooh. kebab shop or whatever it is. All kind of standing there with Star and Kingston. You and uh, you and our mate Steph, the uh, making part of like the the Irish Shadow Wrestling Government, along with Star and Kingston, uh, discussing all the uh, the plans for OTT that next day. What a fucking what a weird two in the morning in a kebab house in London. Like, yeah, what a sight. Oh, absolute state. Kind of barely remember it. What so, happened? <laughs> I don't quite know how it happened. I, the I fellow think, behind the counter took it, and we all just kind of left. He took a good few, did he? If yeah, I he did right. take. Yeah. Did he few. fuck it up a couple of times? Did he? Did he? Was I kind think of, so. He wasn't happy with his affairs because I think we were just wandering past, and I think JP, you just started making conversation with Star and Kingston through the window of the takeaway. Just kind of oh, like. I don't remember that. <laughs> and then we kind of just. <laughs> stormed in and took over and he was kind of like yeah none of these people are buying any food uh, but he was fine in the end he took our photo star and kingston seemed cool with it and it made for a made for a memorable image and a memorable moment of the night we did we did <laughs> we didn't hassle him for too long but i'm like is that how it really started you know that point with this sudden realization and you kind of put your head in your hands and go oh god that happened <laughs> that was a thing I reckon I must have spoken some bullshit to them both because I've. I, I remember saying to Eddie Kings something about Santana's promos and him telling me about how he helped or taught Santana out a promo or something. Mm. But then I just remember it going on. I can't remember anything past that. Like, what else was spoken about? Any oh, ideas? I'm guessing politics, Irish stuff, JP. Maybe I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. I think I think there was a there was a bit of politics chat in there. <laughs> um, I think at one point I said to Eddie Kingston, I said, I smell of a bifter. And then he smiled when he said that. 
that bit kind of really sticks out in the head because he was like literally in front of my eyes and I thought it's pretty fucking wild. Oh, I um, remember that because I don't think he knew what a bifter was. I think he was very confused no. by the uh, the JPisms. He, he he went along with it. He seemed <laughs> perfectly happy. About well, he had LA Park earlier in the night, and then you later in the night. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I don't know why Phoebe, your, your girlfriend, so confused. You know, there's a bit of LA Park in you as well, mate. Bit of a wild man. <laughs> yeah, Phoebe Not gets LA to see the Park, real JP. Well, Jesus, <laughs> jogging on London Bridge, fucking about. Wasn't mate, it? If you keep drinking with them malt drinks and oval teens, you might be looking like LA Park sometimes. <laughs> Oh. How many is it you've had today? Five over. No, teams. that's bullshit. You're just making that up. You've seen me. I've had two, and that's it. Two of the last hour. Yeah, and that's it. That's you've been averaging done. that for the rest of the day. Fuck me. No, <laughs> I've not been. <laughs> Sorry. She was totting that up when we were at the bar after the show. She was kind of saying, like, if you count up the calories on those oval teens, JP, you got to watch out. Man of uh, man of I, our age, you got to uh, be careful with those calories. Was that a subject of conversation on Friday night? Wasn't it? I remember I that coming up. Was. <laughs> JP's JP's oval team drinking. <laughs> How the fuck? What Jesus? <laughs> What's why do you bring this up? That's really the question. Because I know it comes from you two. That uh, pisses you off. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Gets a laugh. Uh, it's just so I can put a picture of oval team in in the uh, the episode images. JP, that's all it is. I'll be oh. honest, I'm trying to get an endorsement of Ovaltine. I think if we give them a few mentions on here, the old, the old Ovaltine social media team might see a trend in. I'm thinking Ovaltine's a bit of an unfashionable brand. <laughs> Why not get a fashionista like yourself, you know, and this, this yeah, podcast, you know, at the forefront of the Ovaltine resurgence, possibly. <laughs> Get that, that didn't get that Toby Carvey money, so maybe we can get the. Uh, the oh, that was it. They, well, they, they were kind of cowards at the end. Of close, the day, weren't they? we were close. <laughs> we were close. Uh, that, that, uh, that sweet Toby Carvery money. I, I would say personally, the moments of the night was during the uh, the six man, uh, the the scramble match. Mad Cat silenced the crowd, and then just oh, just threw out the silence. All I heard was the voice of JP Hulahan saying something along the lines of, "And he's just not my fucking roast dinner either." <laughs> 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 and I turned round, and what was going on, JP? Well, me and Joe had kind of taken that opportunity at this <laughs> at that point because we'd seen the uh, the kind of holy grail, and almost like putting a nice little kind of bow on the whole roast dinner story that that we've had going on for a while. We got to meet uh, Pete and Sue Osprey, obviously <laughs> not the real surname. But let's assume for dramatic purposes that it, that it was Charles. Went up. Like, first of all, they were like, oh, fucking hell. And I was like, look, no, seriously. <laughs> um, I, we actually waited till Will Ospreay went away. <laughs> we thought that might be a bit weird. And that's kind of odd when you're wanting to speak <laughs> to his parents more than the person that only a few weeks ago we said was the greatest wrestler in the world. I told his mum he was the greatest wrestler in the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, did she take Oh, she was like, oh, thanks, thanks. Seemed to mean a lot to her, you know. Yeah, well, they were absolutely lovely. We we said about their roasts and about, like, the Yorkshire puddings. and how. And how oh, yeah, did. we had a good chat about Yorkshire's, yep. didn't we? Yeah. Bit of water in chat. terms of the um, the mix when you put it into the fridge overnight. You've got to do it overnight. Little tidbits about showing, you know, really wolfing it down as well. Oh. Like, going in there for seconds and thirds. I won't lie, I think Pete looked quite shocked by the amount they kind of went through, and he was like, oh, there was the cameraman as well there. And, like, they'd all come in, and he's like, yeah, yeah, they got a, got a cab there. I thought, that seemed excessive, which is, was <laughs> the thought at the time as well. <laughs> Some tips for it. Joe was saying about how they got, uh, got him back into eating a roast dinner. 
for the first I told them all about the roast dinner JP cooked me. I, I actually, you know, a bit, yeah. bit, of, bit of embellishment. I did say um, on January the 4th, when your son was facing Hiromu Takahashi in the Tokyo Dome, I was eating one of his roast dinners, courtesy of, you know, the impact your roast dinner had on us when we saw those Yorkshires. And she was, she was like, oh, right, wow. <laughs> you know, it was the next day, but I thought, you know, I'm allowed a bit of creative license. And we did rewatch it the next day in all fairness, we did. didn't we? Yeah, so, it's accurate. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> they were lovely. They were they were really nice for giving up. I don't think they expected the attention life. based on a random video they did probably about six months ago that they've mm. probably not thought about or had any comment on since, to <laughs> oh, be you, honest. You were nailed on the only people who went up to them at the merch table. like Other than people asking about Osprey t-shirts, I think it was just you guys and Sam. Look, mate, Chris Brooks or Sue Osprey? Who's the more interesting <laughs> conversation? <laughs> She's got the, the real uh, great merch table etiquette. She's the real legend of... Uh... Exactly. I, I had something where you I, the other thing I overheard JP weren't you talking to them about like different wrestlers you've gone around for roast dinners at the Osprey household I'm sure that came up she was telling so I was asking and she was like oh he's always at his mates round on Sundays but do a joint as plenty I was like oh so it's like Paul Robinson pop round she was like I've never cooked for Paul, actually. So Paul Robinson Ooh. has yet to experience Sue's Yorkshire's, and I think he's all the all the all the more full for it. He needs to get around there, does Robinson? <laughs> he lives reasonably locally as well. That seems like an absolutely shocking excuse. I suppose he's got a family himself. You no, know. that's Let's true. Take the family round. <laughs> yeah, but she did ask if we were after an invite as well, and you know, if the did invitation you? is there, I will pop round to Raynham at some point, and you know, <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. I'll even give Peter hand with clearly the the large amount of work he's got doing in the garden. He's probably well. an Ovaltine man as well, isn't he? I'd say so. <laughs> you could see Sunday it. night. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could see. We do. He likes an Ovaltine. But they were, in all seriousness, they were they were really nice. They were, they were, and they put up with our bullshit. So you know, <laughs> good on them. And it made for another classic photo as well. The, the the images for this episode have just made themselves. To be honest, this week. Like the, oh, yeah. the the interactions we had this weekend, yeah. I don't think we're going to be able to top them any other weekend. Where else would you get it than a than a big rev pro show at your call? Well, that's it, isn't it? Your bet, your favourite your call show to date? Mine, and I've been to all of them. Pretty much, I think the best yeah. one I've been to, hundred percent. Like I've had, I've had mixed fortune. You know, I went, I came down, didn't I, for the uh, the pack Osprey match mm-hmm. that had that finish. Last time I came down was for the Oku coronation and the J Cup, and I had to leave before the end. So I haven't got, I, I suppose I haven't got the uh, the huge Oku memories that maybe you guys have got. Uh, although you know Ishi Walters up there too, but yeah, for me, I, I, it's a no brainer for me. Like this was, this was like I, I've never seen such positivity coming out of a Red Pro show. Like it was well, not not ne- I shouldn't say never in the last couple of years or at least in the last twelve months. It felt like a like a new boom period has arrived. It felt like I came out like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming down for the bank holiday weekend. Absolutely. It felt like the way I, I'd put it is it felt like this show happened at a time. One, when Brit Res needed it. And two, when Red Pro needed it. I never should have dan- doubted Andy Q. No, he's a top bloke and he pulled out all the stops on this night. Do you know what I thought was great about the show? Back to basics. Mm. Back yes. to pure basics. And base. And I think it was the same with AEW this week as well. I was thinking they've got the basics right. Mm-hmm. And when you just get back to those basics, there's no convoluted bollocks on a show. It leaves you with a great feeling. Like the mood in your call was the yeah. best I've seen it for years. Mm. Like it was so positive. It was so upbeat. Yeah. There was noise all night long. 
every match got its desired reaction. There was variety throughout mm. that card as well. Not every match was like an absolute blow-away match or anything, but I wasn't expecting that. Mm. But every match delivered in some way and provided something. And what I'll also say for it is Heat happened at the right times. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got the Heat with the Haskins stuff after the tag match when he joins the Legion of Lords, mm-hmm. okay? Mm. But other than that, what other real heat do you get? Curtis Chapman low-blowing Eddie Kingston for a laugh, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other than that, everything felt really positive and kind of really encouraging. You think you got the Giselle Shaw wins to open up, which was a really nice start. It gets the belt off of Zoe Lucas, who's sort of appeared kind of sporadically over the last year or so, I mm-hmm. suppose. you got Giselle Shaw as a regular. That's a good positive step. You think you got the big Oku win as well, which leads into the even bigger Osprey win. So you get these three big moments on the night that just make you feel that, yeah, Rev Pro are in a quite a good place this year and have done a really good job at kind of replenishing the roster slightly and thinking about the basics that kind of works for mm-hmm. them going forward, if anything. Mm, yeah, and I think I think a lot of it is, like you said, the feel-good atmosphere at the start there. Like that, that comes from giving people the moments that they wanted. Just, you know, it probably was the most particular thing in the world that Oku was going to beat LP for the title. Just do, just do it, you know what I mean? Just do it. Put, 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 put Oku over, send people home happy. And not just that, we get the Osprey moment as well. And not just that, we get, you know, LA Park coming out earlier on the show, which I personally, like, the, the, you're right, the feel-good element to it was mm-hmm. there just in the booking throughout the night. Like, I honestly, if I had to travel down to a York Hall show and you take off, you know, the Osprey Sabre match and the LA Park match that made me travel down... If I was there, just I think Oko El Fantasma kind of got lost in the shuffle as we talked about last week. But that was mm-hmm. a moment on its own that could have headlined the show. It would have been maybe not at the level of this, but that was a strong enough, big, happy moment that made it worthwhile. You know, some of the trials and tribulations like Red Pro have gone through the last 12 months or so. So, yeah, if you take that and then you add on the Osprey moment and then you add on all the other great stuff on the show. Yeah, it's just like... a. I can't say enough good things about the, like you say, the the vibe that kind of uh, came out of this show as much as Annette and JP. Oh yeah, absolutely. This was it. This was so much fun. It felt like a big sort of like sigh of relief in many ways. Yeah. I, I'd recommend everyone to read um, Will Cooling's article that he did on PW yes. Tours, which was incredible in terms of going. I know Joe's not had a chance to read it yet, but um, the amount of depth it goes into. Um, about where sort of Brit rest really is and kind of he obviously gets where things are at the moment, but about what the kind of shot of injection that it mm. adds. And it, it ties in with a few nice things that they've done because obviously they've kind of expanded massively and they're running a lot more shows. And here they worked hard to kind of get the undercard right as well. And they booked the undercard right. I was very fearful of going over time, but the break was 10 minutes. Oh. They started at six forty. They kind time. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. They finished on time. You know, they got that stuff right. I was, I was fearful that Maloney Cobb was going to end up overrunning, but you know, they timed that well. They got L.A. Park Eddie Kingston was exactly what you wanted it to be. So they got like overall the structure on on the show completely right. Oh, yeah. But also, they, they've created a really nice mid card full of hungry talent and fresh talent and. People like Ricky Knight Jr. and even like Dan Maloney's kind of rehabbing continues. You know, they're offering like regular dates and regular places to work as well. So there's a kind of like real value in them at the moment. 
and if they can keep on to them, they're managing to tell some sort of nice stories. I'll be interested in when they do Ricky Knight Jr. versus Oku for the unification match. I think mm. that'll that that'll be interesting when they run that, whether or not they do that at the May show as well, because I yeah. think that, that would possibly be a good place to do that. Yeah. Um, and also, remember one thing that we, we were always really worried about is the fact that from the US Indies, there wasn't anyone that they were going to be able to sort of bring over that felt like a big star who hadn't been snapped up in some way. LA Park completely fit that role of bring that kind of back. wild card. Yep. <clears throat> Joe was saying to me earlier on, bring him back. Yeah. Like I, I would love to see LA Park, Dan Maloney on the next show. That'd be amazing. Uh, you put Dan Maloney over Cobb, you're building Dan Maloney slowly. LA Park's obviously not losing that match, but I think you can make Maloney still look very good and kind of continue mm. his push in a defeat to LA mm. Park in some way as well. Um, but yeah, there's an appeal to LA Park coming over. I think the dream would be LA Park Osprey just because of how mad that would be, oh. but the whole AAA, CMLL, New <laughs> Japan the, type relationship. Yeah. Vader Osprey too there, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> more, mo- more mobile version of Vader Osprey too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Still an absolute cowboy in like LA Park. That's <laughs> a part of the appeal, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, completely. You yeah, want the, you want big... a car crash, don't you, with him? That's what you want. Yep. And they put him in there with the perfect person on the night. And I think, yeah, was it 15 minutes long? It seemed to be just didn't overstay oh, its well it, at all. It was just, it was perfect for what it needs to be. It was like, as soon as, as soon as Park came out to that janky mm. video that had like nitro clips in it, I just had a big smile on my face. And I had a smile on my face, like, throughout the entire thing. Just getting... He, he, he came. He, you know, he, he hit someone protected chair shots. He beat up a referee. He danced a little bit. He did a nice couple of times he went into the referee. <laughs> he did. Yeah, there's a story there we should probably talk about. But, yeah, he did that. You know, they had the, the nice little... The Mad Kirk on his moment with him. And they just had a walk and brawl. Some good bumps in it. And it was it was literally... It was, like, if you talk... It, it ticked every single box of what you want out of an LA Park import appearance. Like, I don't, honestly don't think... I know this wasn't the match they went for initially and it was going to be Shaw. But I don't think this, for what it was, could have been any more perfect. And maybe you could do the Shaw... That's another match you could do later on on the line, Joe. You know, like you say, the Dan Maloney match. You can go back and do that at some point, hopefully, depending yeah, on... Yeah, I spoke to Shaw Sam. He was at the show, actually. And he said he was hoping to be back... For- the next York Hall show, but he, mm. he, he's not 100% sure. So mm. it would make sense to have the Shah match or a Maloney match set up if you want to bring LA Park back in May, because I think there's a desire to see him back, if anything. Mm. Yeah, there you go, yeah. So maybe he get that. I mean, get more LA Park shenanigans with, like, the the weird, the, like, the, the silly, like, heel ref spots that he does when he's bullying the ref into doing what he wants, and uh, and then the, the, the violence that, that follows and the crowd brawling and the chair flinging and the just, yeah. G- give me that give me that recipe again, and I'll be back in yeah. your ball again, honestly. Like, I, I really think, yeah, a, a one and done couldn't i think the word of mouth of people like us who've been raving about how, how much fun it was to see la park live you could easily you know sell it just sell a match like this again and another couple of times bring over the sons as yes. well if you want to go down that route get them in from mlw they're not the greatest but they're certainly not the bloody worst who'd you yeah. put them against i don't know if you want to do some wild fucking six man ricky knight jr and just Robbie all, all over the shop and you could have his team lose or whatever the yeah. Legion of Lords. That'd be fun too. I think that'd be fun. Rampage and O'Khan and uh, oh, Charles Samuel. Could O'Khan face them though with the New Japan complication? <laughs> yeah, yeah, him and Park can't touch each other at all. Yeah. Fucking hell, I'd like to see them two at that Brazilian buffet that apparently you ever heard Andy Boy Simmons talking oh, about. Great. Yeah. Oh, I'm brushing off of that buffet. Get LA Park down there with him. 
life. And you know he'd charge it back to Andy Q. You know, every, every tourist thing he did this weekend, he charged back to Rev Pro. Like all those videos he was putting on Twitter of him at, at London Bridge and wandering around in his mask. Like, he, he's a proper work. He, he'll, uh, he won't be oh. paying his own way, LA Park. He's great. Like I said before, he's an absolute cowboy. Do you reckon he got to Greg's while he was over here? <laughs> You'd hope so. You really That'd make would. me so happy. A picture, a picture of L.A. Park with a Greg's. Just wandering around. You'd Ooh, take L.A. Park to Greg's, wouldn't you, Benno? 100%. I, I, I would give him the proper... I'd take him to the posh Greg's as well, Joe. I wouldn't take him to this county road, Greg's. I'd give him the proper experience. Of, I don't like, think he wants posh chance. Greg's, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants... Did you see him when he took that belt off? Like, his belly just, like, kind of flopping over his tights. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was He'll great. just take whatever. It was, it, again, what you wanted, wasn't it? It was just brilliant. Oh, I loved it. Just the variety on that first half of the mm. card, though. Do you think you went from that really feel-good moment in the women's match, which didn't outstay its welcome? You got the big spots in Maloney and Cobb with the two kind of bruises against one another. You got that. I thought that Ricky Knight Jr., Robbie X, was really good. Mm. Like Exactly what it needed to be. Really nice sort of exhibition match. Really got both guys over yeah. as well. Let them kind of display their talents, the chemistry they have together. My brother said to me, Robbie X, in terms of his... Um, kind of flow in terms of how fluid he is the only person he reminds him of is pack and I, I thought yeah completely like he's not got the same presence as pack and the same kind of ability to control a match but in terms of his flying the way he sort of is getting around the ring running the ropes completely see the pack comparison there mm. and yeah i'd love to see him back on shows i think robbie x might have been the most underrated guy in british wrestling about the past four years to be honest with you but no, you're right. He is. He's like he's one of those guys who doesn't get. He, he kind of he's in that that silly Butlins Alex Shane bubble, isn't he? And like Ricky Knight Junior is in his own little bubble, you know, the, the Knight family bubble. And neither of them are overexposed to like an audience like this. And that the both mm-hmm. proper wild card choices to to push, but they're both great as well. Like this for me, that what works so well about this was like it felt a bit like. You know, I know the rep of what they've been doing on Red Pro shows just from hearing it from like the likes of you, Joe, and from seeing the reviews and stuff. But I think putting a match like this as an exhibition on a York Hall crowd for the, you know, couple of times a year Rev Pro chances like a me coming out was just you said about like how well the card was laid out. I thought that was just a genius move. And just let mm-hmm. them go out there, have a big moves match. I didn't think there was too much to the match itself. It was just it was a lot of moves. It, it maybe wasn't at the fastest pace at times. But, I mean, that's a minor criticism. They went out there, they got themselves over, they did their match in front of a bigger crowd. I thought, yeah, it was just, it was it was perfect for what it was. And it was just, yeah. yeah it's uh, what it needed to mm-hmm. be. Yeah, exactly. And rough diamonds that are out there. And, you know, especially a Ricky Knight Jr. I kept, kept keep saying, you know, I saw him in PCW when he must have been about 14 or something. Because how old is he now? Like, what? Like 18, 18 19. ridiculous and Mad. i saw him like five years ago and he was all right then and now he's he's looking really really good like these are oh, yeah. the when we're at a time where brit res promotions are struggling to come up with new people to to feature like these are two great pulls it's turned out for rev pro i thought yeah this, I'd, I'd, I'd just rematch them on the next couple of your call shows i keep going back to it I'd, I'd be quite happy with that if they carried on just doing a doing this feud or this this little mini thing where they team sometimes and they're against each other time sometimes and they're in a multi-man sometimes i think it really really works do a best of series possibly as well i think 
Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you could do like a best of seven. Five, something like that. Yeah, best of seven, possibly. Yeah, I think Mm. think people would be happy to see that as well. Mm. It's interesting as well, because these guys have stuck in RevPro, and uh, it's clear that RevPro have been trying to experiment and find new guys to bring in over the past few months, which is something they need to do a while ago, but I think they're finally sort of getting it right. But it's Mm. interesting those that have kind of stuck and those that haven't got rebooked after they've been given a shot. So these guys have managed to get rebooked after cockpit appearances, some of the shots in the smaller shows. So the likes of the Kings of the North haven't been bad since like last York All show. Mm. But I think they're kind of testing guys out in the proper way and sort of seeing who gets over and giving opportunities to those that are actually getting over and are bringing them back. And I think, yeah, there is something to both of these guys. Ricky Knight Jr. is like a long-term prospect. Mm-hmm. Robbie X on cockpit shows is kind of the perfect wrestler for him. Yeah. He's always going to have a good match on those cockpit shows, and it's always going to be the talk of the night, I think, coming out of those shows as well, if anything. And I think even bringing some back like Haskins, Haskins hasn't been a regular in Rev Pro for years. Mm. And I think Haskins has had enough time away at this point. Mm. Um, and he's not working progress regularly. That he's a good guy to bring back in to work with some of the younger guys you're bringing up as well. Mm. I think stuff like Haskins Oku is going to be a good match. Yeah. And they're going to get there before, say, progress were able to do that match as well. So I think Haskins is really going to add something back in that mid card as well, if anything. Mm. One of the. One of our complaints had often been about the tears of people who are taken away. And Haskins kind of fills a valuable role in terms of an experienced veteran who's been about, I don't have the expectation it's going to be match of the year, but on cards, he's someone that you would really want on there. Was it, you know, he'd be a, 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 a good face he'd be able to have a good match be able to work with pretty much most uh, most people that they have at various points whether it be a Dan Maloney or whether it be a Ricky Knight Jr be able to yeah. do that and bridge across that as well and that's one of the kind of nice things about this is there was a complete solidity about the card and you know as we, we've talked sort of ad nauseum about about the structure of it but it's no no match sort of being um like the others you know yeah there's the real variety things, real variety like yeah. kind of classic we say about going back to basics it had that as well but they've also managed to for me establish a lot of that mid card in particular and, and that, that was the they really needed that in there as well that's you what, know that's what makes you come Sorry. across like a real wrestling promotion having that yes that mid card that like appeared on all you know what I mean just that consistency of mid cards of people who are getting over like that's the worst thing about going to progress shows for me when I go to these Manchester shows these days you don't know who's going to be on the show at any given time like there's no consistency mm. to like their tag division for example like Pretty Deadly might be on one, one month and then the next month it's a completely different couple of tag teams and I think having that I think that's Obviously, with a promotion, you're going to focus on like the top of the card and having you know your big your big stars, quote unquote, and having your big matches. But I think having that, yeah, that solid undercard and having people whose journey you can watch as they go along, which is what's rewarding about watching uh, Ricky Knight Jr. and watching Robbie X as you see them come along, watching like you know a heel start to develop on the undercard and see you know how his character goes. Like that's those types of things that you can sink your teeth into. That's what makes a good wrestling promotion. And yeah, like mm-hmm. it feels like even like a, a Mad Kurt, you know, we've 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 raved about like the structure of this show and like 
that's again i love that too i love that we had the big la part main event of the first half but i thought like the scramble match that kicked off the second half again perfect placement perfect use of curtis chapman who is the one meme guy in the promotion therefore you can get away with it therefore it's not too much and like having a match like that where you can showcase him and continue to get him over because he was hugely over in your hall again as the one comedy guy and as the guy that you know no one takes particularly seriously and look forward to him getting beaten up I thought he was like another highlight of that scramble match as well as, you know, putting Haskins over strong and establishing him as somebody who can anchor your mid card. Yeah, I thought that was another uh, bright spot there. Uh, sorry to interrupt, JP. No, no, no. I completely agree with you on that. I mean, I think I really loved the booking that they did with Curtis Chapman on that night in terms of how they used him, which was ultimately quite minimal. But the way in the LA Park, Eddie, King, Eddie Kingston, it just kind of works didn't it with with having him come through for it the stuff that they're even getting mcgee involved in there as well yeah, it's which, a role for him I, isn't it? it's a role for him and i think i think it's something quite nice if you can get some sort of character development out of him i think that'd be something he could really do with in there as well it sets up a nice eddie kingston um curtis chapman match for the cockpit which will be really good fun and overall it, like i say it's not overused it's it's the one it's really the one person who's kind of really doing that shtick and it works for that. I mean, obviously, you would say like a Gideon Gray is a different kind of shtick to it as well. He's more a manager now. Exactly. He doesn't really wrestle anymore, does he? He was my yeah. uh, vote for um, best non-wrestler in this year's Wrestling Observer Awards. <laughs> Last oh, two shit. years, he's got my vote for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fuck, is the deadline coming up? I haven't even done mine. I forgot about um, that. Yeah, I got mine in last week. I think the deadline was this week, if I, yes. if I remember rightly, when oh, I was okay. doing it. Yeah, yeah. Another. Get working on you that. don't subscribe anyway. Use mine, JP. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. So you don't get a bloody vote, mate. I voted for you. <laughs> Jay, you maybe you're the... If, I can't, if I'm too late, Joe, you're the, uh, the grapple representative for it. We'll, uh, we'll just all pool our votes through you. I'll go along with that. Well, there's no deathmatch shite on there, Ben. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to That'll that. That'll be so, coming up. Um, <laughs> what, the other thing I'll say, on uh, leading on from the six bad as well, Yeah. and the uh, Eddie Kingston-Curtis Chapman match being mm. set up, they did a good job of setting matches up on this show as well and keeping some intrigue going into shows going forward. So, like... Going back to Haskins, they set up Haskins' David Starr. Mm-hmm. They potentially set up another tag match that you can do in shows leading up as well with um, Damien Dunn being in there with David Starr as well, someone with the Legion. Like, yeah, I would like David Starr in a slightly different role. And I think the one weakness on the night mm. is, say, if you've not been watching or following the promotion, but you go to the bigger shows... I wonder if a lot of fans are wondering, hey, David Starr's back and he's just in a tag match. What's going on here? I think that was the one yeah. weak point of the night that needed a bit of clarification. Um, yeah. And it's great to see David Starr back, but I don't want to see him in this tag team or feuding with the Legion of Lords for too long. I'm hoping this is a temporary thing and they get to those bigger David Starr matches. It looked Like I say, it looks like they're going to do him in Haskins. I can't remember ever seeing that match before. Um, oh, didn't you see it on a TNT show? Yeah, it was once? a TNT main event. Yeah, it? that was like yeah. their, their yeah, big yeah. feud. Yeah, like that's their big, they're, they're two of their headliners. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that because I, I was kind of thinking that like, as again, like I know the star story, but if you didn't, you would be, I mean, and obviously it's just a route to get mm. star back on the shows and it's actually not a bad story. Like to be honest, I can't stand um, Damien Dunn. So it really doesn't <laughs> work for me. I hate that gimmick, but it's a it's a method to get star on the on the shows. It's a good story, but yeah, you do need to tell a little bit more. But I think the counter argument I hear people make, uh, I think it was Ben Owens was saying that saying it like saying like 
Yes, they could have put more videos in the show, but I think what really flowed about the show is that it was so compact and we did go mm. match, 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 and maybe it might have interrupted the flow a little bit, but I don't know. I think maybe I would have made an exception at least for that. Well, I think, you know, during the interval, before you when, before yeah, you open true. the doors, having this stuff playing, do you really just need to have Rev Pro and have the music on instead, rather than being projected onto those screens, which they've invested in, and shot. the production they look to have invested in there as well? Because it was one of Phoebe's complaints. Yeah. And that was someone who's never been to a show before and really has had no kind of frame of reference to go by as well. And kind of just thought, well, it was difficult to know because, like, you were clearly into him, but I had no reason to know why I mm. should be. And I was finding it difficult to kind of explain the story because I hadn't seen it because it's been going on in some of the earlier shows. Um, so, yeah, it, it is the kind of thing for this that, you know, it, it, it does feel like they they got him on the cards maybe quicker than what, what they should have done. You know, Joe was, we were talking about this earlier on, the point that Joe had said was, you know, this would have been the York call to bring him out on really to a degree, you know, if they've been able to hang off until that point. But I think it was about wanting him on some shows and being able to promote him in order to sell some tickets. So, mm. but yeah, definitely the video packages. That's, that's the next step in this. Yeah. It's how they're using things like YouTube because yeah. really unlike a lot of companies, they don't do that. One of the things um, I did send to my girlfriend tonight was actually a day, the David Starr um, Jordan Devlin video package from OTT. I said, if you got this, what would you like? And she liked it. She goes, that was actually really good because she oh. kind of got it. <laughs> Working now, eh? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> finally paying off, eh? Can't, can't, can't uh, get the kids uh, hypnotised <laughs> by it, so, you know. Yeah, try, try this way. Well, yeah, why, yeah. why not? Um, and, you know, I think uh, that stuff is important, though, and it's something yeah. that RevPro have always been generally behind the times and they need to explain it. They have to assume that the people at the York Hall shows, they're not going to be aware of what's going on in Guildford, Southampton, St. Neots, and wherever. They're not going to be knowing what's going on there. So that's the next stage of it. But it's, it's I don't know, it feels like expansion to to me. I don't know how you guys feel about it, what they're going for here. They're spreading out. Mm. They're running a fair bit of the country, you know. You've this is to, interesting interesting times. Yeah, you've just got to connect those dots, though, like you say, haven't you? Like, uh, I think that better use of YouTube, like, you look at, you know, the buzz that OTT got from putting their, you know, their classic matches on YouTube that they've had these last couple of years, even a Riptide or, you know, just throwing something up. RevPro don't do that, that little stuff, do they? Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to talk probably loads in a minute about the, the two last matches on the show. You could throw OQL Phantasma on YouTube for free. You could throw Osprey. Maybe you wouldn't want to do it with Osprey Zack Sabre and give that yeah. away. But there's an argument for it, maybe in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the type of stuff they don't do as, as well as you're right yeah tying up you know why would someone who's going to be in Sheffield in two weeks necessarily know everything that's going on on the rest of these shows they're the little things that maybe they don't have the time or the manpower it seems to kind of just dot those I's and cross those T's I think that is you do need that stuff though yeah yeah it's, it's the way of being able to tell these stories if you want to invest in these stories you have to kind of make them pretty easy for people to follow and not require that you're you're following a, a vod service that we've had much to say about over the years and so we'd have to prove that it's ever so reliable apparently it's gone up as we speak oh at as time it? of recording i think oh, it okay. has gone up tonight you said he was uploading it today did andy q oh, so, okay so i'm fascinated to watch this because it's a decent turnaround if they yeah. have tonight as well hmm. and as we said earlier on we 
we'd had a couple of shandies. So, you know, <laughs> as we were getting on throughout the show as well, it becomes a case of, right, there's a cup. It'll be one of the themes of saying something about the main event as well. Just like, was it as good as I thought it was? Yeah, because yeah. I wasn't yeah. dr- I wasn't drunk. I was I was a mm. bit, but you were, you'd had a bit more than me. You yeah. were drinking during the show as well. Mm. I stopped before the show. I had a few before. Yeah, so, no, 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 no. Me and my brother, I don't think we're drinking during the show, so we we were kind of into it and kind of on it. I'm not going to give you a blow-by-blow blow, uh, rundown of those big matches because, you know, I probably need to watch it back again as well. But the two, um, sort of the co-main event and the main event, were excellent matches, I thought, mm. on the night. Um, and both kind of delivered on what they kind of on what their promise was if anything so yeah i think as far as a card that built as well and getting to those big big uh title matches on the show both belts i felt felt really important as well mm. um and both wins got massively over it was mm. it was a great night and also what i loved was you got michael oku there you've got will osprey there Michael Oku was kind of in the position Will Ospreay was like five, six years ago. I don't think he's as good as Ospreay was five, mm-hmm. six years ago, but who who, who has ever been? Let's be honest <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. But it's kind of like you're delivering that next guy getting the cruiserweight belt, which is almost like the stepping stone to the heavyweight belt. And you got Will Ospreay there winning the heavyweight belt. And you got that nice little moment with the lads at the end and Giselle Shaw, obviously. So it's those moments that kind of connect it as well that have that extra meaning. I don't know if that's a personal thing from going to Rev Pro shows for years or what, but mm-hmm. yeah, it just made everything feel that little bit um, kind of sweeter on the night, if anything. Yeah. No, that's it. Yeah, and it was it was feel good. And it was that, it was that one-two punch combo of having those two big moments back to back like I say both good headline shows on their own but having them both on the same night I think it was like the medicine Rev Pro needed uh, I think it was yeah. it was good that it kind of all happened on one night I think the it's like you say there's a difference between kind of watching these matches live and then watching them back on tape that does make them difficult to rate like I've gone 4.75 on Osprey Zack Sabre but I don't know for certain I could be a five I've seen people go five I struggle to get five stars out on a match that I was there live at because uh, you are gonna, you're gonna bite more, aren't you? On near falls, mm. you're gonna be more emotionally involved. You're gonna, the certain things you're gonna remember, you're not gonna remember. Like the Oku El Fantasma match, as an example. Like the my main memories of that are like the twists and turns at the end with the, you know, the teasers of the mm. of the belt stuff and the shenanigans. I think you pay more attention to like big moments like that in matches when you're there live, as opposed to like you know watching Osprey Zack Saber on New Japan World last week where you're watching it from a distance on a stream. And you can really, really take in the story. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a better way of taking it in because instead, uh, you know, I think they're it depends live on in the, the match, building. to be honest. Yeah, because they're live in the it's building. Just, I'm standing it's just there. just two different ways, isn't it? Yeah, I'm there like living or dying by both Oku winning or losing and by Osprey winning. Like I'm with him for every single moment in mm. a way that I might not be emotionally attached to at home. I think there's always, I feel like Gareth needs to do that. There should be like, should be a live rating you can give a match and like a VOD rating you give a match or like an asterisk next to when you've been there live as opposed to VOD. I just think it's slightly different, isn't it? Ooh. You're looking for different things. We've got a bit Inception there if we look at the stars <laughs> within stars at that point. Well, the star rating podcast, JP, that's us. But I yeah, think you've got to go. I think you've got to go with the setting you watch it in. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So you, you've got to go with that feeling of the setting you watch it in. Like you know, um, I could watch a a, a film right um, at the cinema. I could watch a film at home. Okay. Uh, some films I think need that kind of scope of the cinema screen. I watched Uncut Gems a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and that was my film of the year. 
And I was like, this is fucking incredible. Some of the editing, the frantic pace of it, Jesus Christ. But I was thinking, if I saw that at the cinema, I think I'd have liked it even more. And I was chatting to a mate of mine who mm. did go see it at the cinema. He was a wise man. He invited me. I rejected his invitation. Oh. And he watched it back on Netflix as well. And he said, it was great both times, but it, that cinema screen, watching mm. some of that on the big screen, some of the sound as well that he uses, it, it penetrated him even more than it did watching it back on his on his fucking good 40-inch TV, I tell you. <laughs> uh, um, That's like 1917, so, is it? That's the same thing. Like that, I, I've got, that'll be at the top of my films of the year for last year that I haven't quite put together yet. But I think purely that a lot of that's watching that in that setting in the big screen environment. I wonder if I watched it at home, whether it had like, what was the war movie that came out last year that everyone was raving about? Uh, or was it the year before? You're the one with it. Was it Tom Hardy in it as like the fighter pilot? Dunkirk. Dunkirk, yeah, which I liked, but I didn't rave about on the same level as everyone else. And I wonder whether I'd have a Dunkirk reaction if I hadn't seen that thing live at the cinema. I'll, I'll be honest, mate. I saw both of the cinema and I thought, both were, quite, I thought both were quite overrated. If I'm honest oh, with you. right. Okay. Not I thought 1917 film. was a gimmick film. Oh, it is. It's the, it's the whole one shot kind of thing they're going yeah. for. Oh, what is it? Yeah, it's, it's Saving Private Ryan meets The Revenant. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's a great yeah. comparison. But I, I'm with the characters in Saving. Private Ryan. Yeah. I'm with uh, Tom Hanks on his on his journey. I think it's probably because yeah. I love Tom Hanks. I love the possibly. As well, I'll throw oh, so did I. Yeah. But with 1917, I found that I was watching like what was going on around uh, the the kind of tracking shot. Mm. I wasn't with the character's journey. Mm. I didn't engage or emote with the character at all. I didn't really kind of lost care. In the sort of technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. And you know that's my issue. And I get why people would get more out of it than me personally. But yeah. anyway, how have we got into this film discussion? <laughs> I well, think basically, I, it's, it's the live <laughs> bias versus the kind of watching yeah. watching yeah. on yeah. the screen, isn't it? And it's two. It's just two different experiences. Mm. That's all. I'll say enough about it that this show is good enough that I want to see some of these matches back again because mm. I want I, I want to be able to see see the reactions. Whether I'm not going to go back and watch every single match, but certainly a good few. And I think that says a lot for how good a show this was and how good it made me feel at the end of it. Did you think? Uh, so I went four and a half on Osprey Zach, and I went four and a half on the New Japan match of a couple of weeks ago as well. But I thought this one was slightly better. But I think that is mm. the being there live and the mm. definitive Osprey finish in the moment that, mm. for me, tipped it over the last New mm. Japan match. But I was also thinking, would I put this on a par with their Wolfenstone match? And I don't know mm. if I actually would. I think I did prefer the Wolfenstone match ever so slightly. And that's just from like live memory of both matches. But there's like almost mm. nothing between the two matches, if, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah, that, the Wolfenstone sweatbox. <laughs> uh, that was in that was in November. That one, yeah, oh, no, that wasn't that, the was it? No, it wasn't that one. wasn't wasn't the Jacob. Hey, I heard about that though. Listen, oh, listen yeah. to Will Cooling and WH Parks podcast because they uh, they they reviewed that this week on that uh, on Thunderstruck. Oh yeah, the Super J Cup. Yeah, yeah. Because Will was at that as one at the same time, wasn't it? No, but no, that's no, Super J Cups, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> All about them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what we haven't mentioned from that main event. The appearance of London Rampage's own uh, Greg Burridge. Uh, oh. That's another thing from a live environment that made it even better getting to watch those two lads. Uh, what, what's his other trainer? What's his name? Who was out there with him? With, uh, with Osprey. Oh, Gary Van Der Horn or something like that. The two of them were great at like drumming up support from the crowd and stuff and treating it like it was a real sporting moment when Osprey was trying to win. I love that. I thought that's the father to it too. Little touches, little yeah. tiny touches. They give you that little bit extra. Mm. It felt like a massive main event. It felt like we were watching it 
it's kind of that boutique match the way it should be. You're seeing something really spectacular from two people who are amazing, who spent a large proportion of their careers wrestling for this company as well, but have now, you know, in the upper mid-card tier in New Japan, for Christ's sakes, and thinking how far they, they've gone now. Absolutely. It's the match I've wanted to see at your call yeah. forever, if, yeah. if anything. Like, I've always wanted to see this match, especially after that Wolfenstone match. And Quilden's kept it in his back pocket for, what, two and a half years? Yeah. It, and But it felt big when it came along. Osprey's even bigger than he was two and a half mm-hmm. years ago. He's more of a star than he was two and a half years ago. And it was the match that British wrestling needed at this yes, moment in time. I'm almost glad we had to wait that two and a half years mm. to get it at this point in time. And, and you had Osprey as well cutting that promo after after as well, which could be corny. But you know, with Osprey, he means it. You know what I mean? He's like he's not he's not a mm. smart lad, but it's like I think I saw James. He said that, like, but his heart's in the right place. You know what I mean? It's like he means it. You know, he went on about how uh, Brit Rez isn't dead. I'll let him off with that one. Uh, but like, bring just bringing out Oku, bringing out Giselle Shaw, and like using it as like a statement for one, what Osprey's going to do for Brit Rez this year, and for two, like you know. Who are the you know the genuine people coming up, and you can absolutely say that about Oku. Uh, I thought that was a lovely moment as well. The kind of really underlined the night as well and gave it a, a big feel good moment. Well, it was like I, I, you wouldn't say they've pressed a reset button per se, but they've changed a hell of a lot in that night. It's as close to a kind of reset as you're going to get. Um, I also hope as well. I wonder if they they would do this. They should do a kind of anniversary match where they have the like they do in new japan where you have the british champion face the cruiserweight champion as well i think that would be a good match you could have later on so in the you year. can book osprey for the day yeah, you need for it if anything wait well, and then it comes on to how long is he going to have it for you're going to have him have it for the year and sort of have him defend it in those major york hall matches mm. you know it would be being used if osprey carries on coming back for the next few years it's the kind of feud you could sort of build the him and Obiku, like you do the sort of a card or Osprey mm-hmm. feud, you know, but like those two competed for the yeah. first, well, I suppose the first one was in Rev Pro, wasn't it? But in New Japan at the anniversary show a few years mm-hmm. ago, then you've come back to the match several times over the years. It still feels fresh because the younger guys improved each time out. So there's a different element to the match. Yeah, it's not a bad shout, but it's mm-hmm. getting, it's getting the dates and Osprey. That's what and it's known where Oku goes with his career as well. But what I'll say for Oku is, I think I had a chat with Oku in the Dundee Arms. We did. We did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we did. shit, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> yep. I think he's choosing the right path, is Oku. I think I think he's a smart lad. Yeah. yeah. He seems like a good lad. He's. Do you know what he is above all else? And, you know, he's an absolute grafter. Mm. He is someone who who works so hard. He is that person who I think I saw something like he had like over a hundred matches last year. Was it twenty eight promotions? Something along those lines. Just wrestling in loads of places and just working hard and learning his graft. And he's got that kind of intangible charisma. Mm. And here I will say this as well about just uh, about the cruiserweight match. The fact that Oku, uh, sorry, the fact that ELP, you know, his heel shtick, which may not at times be for everyone. But for this match and this environment was kind of perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. And this match, I think, worked because of yep. the heel baby face divide. That's what made the and, match. And now he will be off in Tokyo for most of his time doing doing New Japan. And you kind of think that's the natural elevation. That's the thing that works. Think, think of where he is. And that in and of itself is a kind of feel-good story. Mate, when I see Phantasma in that position, I always think this is what Travis Banks would have got. This would have been the Travis Banks position if he'd have stuck around. I, I, I'm sure of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that perspective, I sometimes think it's a little bit sad because Travis Banks was such a role. But Phantasmo is 
you know, stepped it up and gone yeah. to a level above, it's, I'd say, where, say, Travis Banks is at this point in time. And yeah. if they bring him out for the big shows, I'm very happy with that. I think he's always going to have a decent uh, sort yeah. of role on shows if he is in, is in the UK and still does want to work Rev Pro. And yeah, happy to see him back if he wants to be. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, this is like... This is action. You know, when people, when you, the whole Brit Reses there conversation and people go, oh, you know, we've got loads of lads who are going to step up and they mention like Chuck Mambo or something. Like these are examples of where it's legitimately happened. El Fantasmo stepped up. Him and David Starr were Rev Pro last year for its mm-hmm. faults. And this year, Michael Oku has stepped up. And for all the times, yeah, people will go, oh, well, there's gap now for, for like the younger wrestlers to get over. This is a genuine example of it happening. And it goes to like what you said there about him being smart. Like he's smart to walk this path. I think he sees that opportunity. He sees there's a there's an opening for somebody like him to move up and to be a guy, even at young in, in this career. And it is legitimately happening. It's not just bullshit. Uh, they they are legitimately people who've who've taken advantage of the gap that's on top. And now you've got an assist from Osprey as well. God, yeah. Fuck me. Get, uh, credit where credit is due. I think Quilden's done an amazing job of Oku in the last year. I really do. Compared to like, I think that's some of his some of his best work. Yeah, yeah massively. I think it's some of his best work in a while. Mm. The way that he's managed to get Oku over, establish him, and yeah, put him on that pedestal. Mm. Yeah, like I say, compare it to Progress and what they've done with him. Like you know, like Progress have yep. done an okay job with him, but like look, look at where he is in Rev Pro as opposed to where he is on Progress shows, where he's essentially sleeping. Well, think about it this way. Rev Pro need to make people and they need people to be established yeah. to survive as a promotion. Progress can rely on an entire roster of NXT UK contracted <laughs> wrestlers mm-hmm. and making getting, I don't know, the occasional NXT US guy in to pop a crowd of idiots who were amazed by the presence of someone who was in full sale the week before. So it's just a completely different situation, is it? There's a sort of laziness to progress at this point and Rev Pro need to be good in order to survive, I think. I was going to say like Oku Maloney on a, on a smaller scale, but exactly the same thing with him where he's much better off in a Rev Pro environment than being in a, in a progress environment. Half the fact he's crap, but other than that, no. oh, Maloney, oh, you're right, nah. mate. I don't nah, think he's no way. I don't, I just don't buy it. I just don't like him. I think that's, a, I, I can recognize him being worth giving the time to, and being someone available. Like, me and Gareth were talking about this on Friday. Like, he's slowly starting to, like, get rid of that. You know, that stink that Roy Johnson had of being, like, the NXT UK failure? I think that's gone. And I do think there's mm. something there with him. I just don't... I just... I personally, I don't enjoy him, but I can recognise that, like, okay, he's getting over, and he's someone who's available to you that there is potential to do something with. So, yeah, maybe I'd be a bit harsh there on Paul. And he's got a slightly him. different style as yeah, well. big lad. He can work with different yeah. guys. I think there's a charisma there, if I'm honest with you. Um, mm. You see him on cockpit shows, there's a real charisma there. Interesting. Um, no, I think there's something there. Yeah. I, don't, I don't... You know, he's not Osprey, no. whoever has been. But no, nah, he's worth he's worth spending the time on, I think. And I don't think he's going to jump at that NXT UK stuff anytime soon. He's been there. He's done it young. Give the guy a chance. That's it. Worth it. And this is the, this is the landscape where you've got to give guys like that a chance, isn't it? And, and I think the you know it's worth taking a, a, a go on people like that, a go on a Ricky Knight, a go on a Robbie Axe, and, and mm. you know, and hoping you're going to get like the next Michael Oko or whatever. Yeah, I think all of those things yeah. are in place. Fuck me. We're talking positive about Red Pro today. Like they they yeah. they have proper like they compared to like maybe some of the discourse we had on like that year end show we were talking about rev pro like things are looking shiny for rev pro i'm hoping like this uh this good vibe continues for them this year uh but there's every 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 reason to think it based on this show 
it's a good start and it looks like they've taken a bit of a punt into the future which is something that has really surprised me but they've kind of gone all out here they've invested in people they've they've not kind of gone through the sort of osprey zach stuff which in a panic they could have easily done um but they've managed at the same time to to really tell hell of a show or they need they need to knock it out of the park there was genuine like pressure and imagine if this one had disappointed a lot of people would have come out and made the effort to go and see because of these matches and if they left with any kind of negative vibe mm. that would have there would have been a lot of people going right that really is it been kind of would feel like they've been burned off but people were I'm not saying like delirious or whatever, but they were just in a really good mood afterwards. I and think that's that, a great thing to come away with from a show. The last couple of your call shows before this were good, but there was something missing mm. on both of them. I think that was the problem with both mm. of those shows. And you got, it was a good match, but you got the kind of exhibition tag match with the likes of Sonada and Evil against Zack and Suzuki. And I love, I love seeing Minoru Suzuki live. To me, there's no better live wrestler. You got most charismatic in my Observer uh, end of year poll. Oh, and I think that's, Pure, hours yet yeah. I mean that's purely a, a live bias if I'm honest with you because I've seen him so many times live this year and there's no one whose charisma I kind of play off more live than Minoru Suzuki's but at the same time it felt like there was no stakes in the match it felt like it was there to try and get a crowd in and this it felt like there were genuine stakes in the show there were on the previous shows the mm. J Cup and the Oku Pack stuff but this it felt like it was more for lack of a better term, high stakes, if anything. <laughs> it, it felt like it there was, were, wasn't it? Yeah, it felt like there were genuine high stakes. So, you know, <laughs> good work on Rev Pro's part, and let's let's hope this continues. And what I'll say is Industry thank God, needs it. It does. And thank God we've got some good lands on this show who want to be doing these shows, want to improve, want to, you know, learn their craft, and they don't want to be over in Dublin on an NXT UK takeover pretending to be the Hardy Boys 20 years ago. That's a hell of a rare segue, Joe. It goes into our Twitter stuff we were going to talk, but yeah. That's a thing. NXT NXT UK takeover Dublin. Like, think through that title, lads. That could be, yep. That could be taken the wrong way. No baggage with that title whatsoever. Fuck me. Yeah. I don't... Do you know any Irish you're excited about that, JP? I... No. <laughs> like, I, if I mentioned it to my brother, he'd just be like, oh, any day, would it be worth going along? I'd be like, no. <laughs> like, really, no. Pat. Well, you were talking about going over with the kids to your brother, weren't so you? To go and watch possibly OTT at, um, in Waterford, because it's at the end of the Easter holiday. You wouldn't go see Dave Mastiff in Ireland? <laughs> No. <laughs> Joe Coffey versus Jordan Devlin. Not, not float your boat, mate. Mate, they could be doing that literally on the corner of the road outside here. <laughs> and I don't have to be asked to watch it at this stage. <laughs> like, oh, no. Good. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, the toll. It's at that point you've got to go NXT Europe, right? You, you need to do that. Yes, you do. Like, you, know, you really do. Or just call it like NXT UK TakeOver and just insert where it heard here. Maybe go with Dublin. Maybe that's less offensive. I don't know. Do they have to name it by the place to that? Remember when they used to have the catchy names like at the start? Because TakeOver was one itself, mm. wasn't it? And they had like Our Arrival and Rivals and all, all those shitty names. Bring them back. That'll be better. Oh. Yeah, but when they like doing it, don't they? It's like the Portland show. Yeah. Something all over Portland all bloody night. But why is NXT... The proper NXT, not NXT US. Mm. Why has one got to be region specific, but the other's just allowed to be NXT? Mm. Yeah. 
just is, isn't it? Yeah. Why, why, have, yeah. why have they got to come in on a weekend that OTT are running? Why are they come, they're actually running head to head with Progress as well? Coincident. They've booked it for years. <laughs> years. Where are OTT running that day? Uh, it's the day before, I think. Uh, JP, do you know? Um, I don't know if it's another show that's at the um, the same place they were running last weekend. That's When's the St. Patrick's Day one at the stadium? What date's that? That's Mar- I want to say it's March. Oh, 15th. is that March? Is it? Oh, it's March fourteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That same day as Kevin Nash yes. and St. Mary's. Yeah. <laughs> that's March yeah. And also the same weekend as PCW Road to Glory, lads. So what a weekend for wrestling! Oh, weekend. fuck me! The choices on that weekend. <laughs> God, imagine if Kevin Nash was impressed in that weekend. He's in Southampton, mate. I oh, know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But yeah, it's. Mm. I, I think I read something about like the the venue they're running for. I, I was expecting you to be the expert on this. Apparently, I think the venue that they're running for NXT UK Ireland Takeover, whatever the hell they're calling it, is like a tough one to to book. I think I've seen a couple of the the Irish say so. Maybe this one's a coincidence. You know, to get the date on it uh, is kind of the argument, but. Yeah, it's in, it comes at a time, interestingly as well, though, where like, you know, OTT have, uh, do seem to be slightly moving away from using the WWE guys. They're still using them, but it doesn't feel like there's an official relationship there. I don't know. You know, there were some of their recent announcements, you know, announcing Moxley. Um, I wonder like what, what, what the state of that relationship is right now. Mm. Is Moustache Mountain meant to be on Scrapper Mania as well, isn't it? Supposedly, we'll see. And that's that didn't, normally is a big asterisk that they would get pulled at. Did, a moment. They pulled someone no, recently, didn't they? Didn't they pull someone from an OTT show? I swear they did. Oh. It was Tyler Bate, wasn't it? Was it? Was it Tyler? Bate? I, I don't know. I thought that Tyler Bate was pulled kind of semi recently. Oh, you know what it was? It was fucking pretty deadly again. <laughs> he was oh, what? Good. They got pulled. Yeah, yeah. yeah to go to uh, the. I think. To be fair, I think they got booked in NXT US. I think they got pulled over to do the Largo Loop or whatever um, instead of OTT this weekend. But you know, the, the young lads, Joe, they don't need seasoning and, and getting to work in front of hot, you know, Irish crowds and, and work around Europe. Let's just get them in the NXT system immediately. Exactly. That's that's the way to uh, to think about it. And, you know, competition. It's healthy to have competition. So let's just try and kill all of our competition. <laughs> Did you watch that ruthless aggression shot? Sorry to change oh, the subject. No, no. I was going to ask whether we should talk that first. Fuck me. Oh. Speaking about mate, the whole a new low when they were going through SmackDown and Raw on the brand split. Competition's good. We need competition to compete against one another. You kill all of your competition. So competition is okay in your mind if it's competition under the same banner. And it doesn't feel like any of the brands have ever competed against one another anyway. Yeah. Absolute fucking bollocks piece of shit show that was. Oh. And the irony of all ironies, when the company we've just spoken about in a really positive way, RevPro, were a company that, let's be honest... WWE have actively tried to kill. So, yeah, just mm-hmm. more WWE propaganda and, like, rubbish coming out of a bunch of, you know, basically Vince McMahon's servants' mouths, JBL and Bruce Pritchard, two of the most unreliable oh. Fox News-style <laughs> talking heads yeah. I've ever seen on Orthodox. any of these stupid revisionist history-based documentaries. Yeah. To call this a documentary is a fucking insult to proper documentarians. The likes of Louis Theroux and Errol Morris should be screaming for the uh, Alex Gibney. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of, of whoever produced this absolute tripe. I, this stuff wasn't that long ago. I remember all of it. My knowledge yeah. of this era is spot fucking on, to be honest with you. If, and if you've this, got eyes, ears, or a memory, 
And the way they try and make out the likes of Austin to be in the wrong. Now the bloke was in the fucking right. There was a bit where Bruce Pritchard said, well, we could do this match at WrestleMania. Vince said we could do this match between him and Brock at WrestleMania in three years, and no one will remember this loss three years before. They fucking would, because we're not idiots and we have memories. And if Austin lost clean to Lesnar in a King of the Ring qualifier, when Austin won the King of the Ring in 96 and was far beyond King of the fucking Ring (laughs) in 2002, was in a qualifier, I'd have been like, what the fuck's he doing in this match? It would have stuck in my head and it would have stuck in many people's heads. But you know what? It might not have stuck in many people's heads, actually, because the viewing figures fell dramatically in that time and they've carried on falling. So in that three-year period, a lot of people might have buggered off because it was absolute shite. Oh, awful, awful, awful. Unchecked Bruce Pritchard is like, at least when he does the podcast with Conrad, he'll pull him on his bullshit. This just felt like he was the one source for this story. And this is the, this is, I, I would say, like, for me, this is what you get, you know, when you encourage all that, like, Trump does it as well, not to get too political. You know, when you dismiss journalism in general, when you dismiss, like, wrestling writing as just the dirt cheats, and you, and you dismiss wrestling media outright, like, this is the shit that you encourage, this fucking crap, because, like, believe it or not, wrestling journalists and historians are important, but, like JP said, like, anyone with with eyes, ears, and a memory is important, too, because you're right, we're people who live through this shit and know it's bullshit. We know they did. Vince didn't one day wake up and go, you know what, I've got a genius idea, let's call it the WWE. Like, they, they literally tried to sell you that shit. That's what yeah. they went with. Oh, oh, the invasion only failed because there were no stars in WCW. That's the only reason. Like, fucking crap. Like, if you think we're ranting about yeah. it, I was, I was reading, like, Pollock. You know, John Pollock's, like, one of the most reserved, you know, reasonable dudes you'll ever know. And he wrote, like, the news report for Post tonight where he just rips this thing apart because, like, any journalist worth their fucking salt should be doing that because, fuck me, like, the absolute state. People buy this stuff, though. People will believe this as the legitimate thing. Yeah, they will do. It felt like, oh, what was the... Oh, I would say when we were watching it, it was like it was like kind of reading the Daily Mail. Mm. watching this because yeah. it's just a lot of it's just bullshit yeah just fucking bullshit yeah being told like it, it's just a proponent of a point of view so the problem with the invasion angle was just wcw <laughs> it, it did it itself well, and my god did they stars, go on about the attitude they? era for long enough in that first episode jesus unless you're in any doubt whatsoever yeah the year is still 1997 <laughs> very much that that's still what's going the on here. still happening. Oh, it is. They're coming exactly. for our jobs, JP. Uh, oh, why? Well, food off the table, isn't it? Is, is it oh, oh, we got take the ball and go home in this one, oh, didn't yeah. we? Oh, what was the other one here? Cooler head prevailing. Loads of the Vince-isms. Like, loads of them. But Vince isn't to fault for anything. Creative is not to fault. It's like, well, WCW came on and they were, they were just useless. And it's like... We are aware there is a creative process that you fucking nimrods have decided to put into your company rather inexplicably because you've kind of fucked everything up ever since they've got it done that way. And if they waited a fucking year as well, when they'd have had Hogan, Nash, Hall, Ric Flair, they could have got Sting at that point as well. Goldberg, I don't know. I think Goldberg was still under contract to like late 2002, wasn't he? Mm. But you've got enough there for this a proper invasion storyline. And people would have been fine with waiting a year for it, uh, rather than seeing the likes of Sean Stasiak and whoever else out there. It was their creative fuck-up, yeah. but they blamed it 
on W. It, it doesn't make any it, sense. It's Absolutely ludicrous they, stuff. They try to pretend like, ah, oh, no one really cared about these WCW lads. Lads, the invasion is like, is it not still like the most bought pay per view of all time? Even with the, the like the, the WCW scrubs that were on, the, you know, it WCW and East. It wasn't it the tag match, the ten man. I think the W, the Alliance, the Alliance, Booker yeah. yeah. T, DDP, Rhino and the Dudley Boys, Stalker DDP yeah. as well, like DDP and like no, not embracing what got him over in, in WCW. He was like a weird sex stalker or whatever the fuck he was that's yep. not their fault though no of course not oh who was married to uh was it kimberly page mm. so you believe he's stalking the undertaker's wife <laughs> it's just absolutely fucking insane just the complete unwillingness to take any responsibility of anything that happened so it's not a case of booking austin badly and then austin feels frustrated enough not to turn up it's mm. just that austin's and, selfish and going on telling and hints- burying him too hinting at The Rock being selfish for going to do movies. Oh, that bit when it was really like, it weird. came as a shock. When he went, <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it fucking didn't. I remember that episode of Star Trek, and it was like, oh, he'll be off in a couple of years. Yeah. Like, he's slowly transitioning. What year was Mummy Returns? I saw that at the cinema. That was like 2001, mm. two. Like, it was no shock. This was happening. Everyone knew it was happening. He'd, done S- he'd hosted SNL and stuff like that, and clearly had shown sort of, real presence and ability yeah they're just an absolute bunch of jokers yeah. who will try and manipulate people they're basically you spoke about la party in a carny earlier mm. whoever sat around the table putting forth a directive for this episode or for this series is a fucking carny and i'm sure vince was there in the midst of it that segment when he was in the ring doing the <laughs> ruthless Aggression, which never like, got over. It never got over. It wasn't a thing, you know, Joe. Like we lived it. No, it never, wasn't a thing. It never existed. No, he used the term about. I remember that I saw someone a couple of years ago where he said to someone who it was Dean Ambrose. I'm sure it was the Shield backstage. He said, "Show us some ruthless aggression." I was like, "You still using that ten years <laughs> off?" But that segment when he's in the ring in 2002 and he's talking about who's got the ruthless aggression. And some of the guys you got there, you're like, yeah, you could have picked so many of these guys. Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. Jericho, who he buried in 2002 because Triple H was so insecure about Jericho's ability and the fact that he was clearly a better wrestler than him, a better talent, and he's proven it right fucking now that he still is. It's just unbelievable the self-harm that they have done as a company based around fragile, insecure egos that exist within that company and are prepared to make these propaganda pieces to kind of get across that insecurity and make it even more obvious in my mind. But there's ways of almost like shelving any blame for kind of the state of WWE because let's be honest, Mm. there were some good years here and there. But the kind of decline and where we are now, it started back then, didn't it? Oh, yeah. You, you, you can't tell this story without doing that. So, but, they, but they tried. That's why they never tell this story. That's why WWE yeah. history is, it's the Hogan era, it's the new generation, it's Attitude era, it's the shape we've got now. Like, it's the modern PG era, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, to me, that is legitimate as well. Ruthless regression didn't happen, as you said then, JP. But also, like, that's their, their mentality because you've got to... To tell the real story of WWE, you've got to admit, one, the World Wildlife Fund had them off. Two, they fucked the yeah. invasion. Three, they fucked the brand split. Four, they fucked so many young wrestlers, like you said. They there. fucked Austin. They fucked yep. Austin. That's the big one. They fucked Austin on TV. Drove in Brock, Brock away. Drove Brock away. You've got... 
that's why, like I said at the start, you need legitimate journalists to tell these stories to get the real, actual story. That's why it's such a good thing that wrestling historians exist because we all know this is bullshit and we all know what really happened and we saw it with our own eyes. Uh, it's just fucking yeah. It was a it it, it it it's an encapsulation of what's wrong with this company. Like when when the, when they were saying about like how you know g- going into it, oh they just they, they didn't they they just didn't you know these these young WCW guys didn't know how to work or oh you know. Like you said at the start, Joe, you know, all oh, these fans aren't going to remember Brock and Steve Austin. Could anything sum up WWE more than that? Than that statement? Than them, them thinking so low of their fans that one, they put this shite out, but two, they still believe that, that, that you know, no, no one would have, no one would have remembered that match. Nah, no, it's fine. That explains so much about the way they book and why the company's been so shit for so, so long. Yeah. <laughs> Great minds. Um, it's it's just an encapsulation of everything. We kind of pinpointed it to the point weirdly. It's when they bought WCW because if you think of it around WrestleMania 17, they were kind of in their zenith in terms of the stories they were telling and everything else running into that period of time. And then the introduction of the WCW storyline kind of they kind of lost their fucking heads. Didn't know what to do with it as an angle. Took over everything else they were doing at the time. Um, didn't you have the Austin heel term around WrestleMania? He had it at WrestleMania, WrestleMania. WrestleMania 17 as well. Mm. So it's almost like it's it's like, but it's all self-created. Yeah, all of it, all of these and, problems are entirely self-created by them. Yet they they believe it's not their fault and it's anybody else's. Trumpian. That's how it. <laughs> that's that you come away with it. It's Trumpian. Yeah. Absolutely fucking delusional view of the world that doesn't exist except in the mind of some fucking steroid adult maniac who's I- been running the show for far <laughs> too long. And people have just haven't, just haven't got the bollocks just to say, fuck off, mate, you're an idiot. Yeah. Don't get any of this anymore. Genius, my ass. Even when it was good, JP, like you know, like the the, the SmackDown Six mm. stuff that was good from this era. Like when SmackDown oh, was on. We top, said that, yeah. yeah. When that was good, but at the same time, they still killed. You know, it almost yeah. said, there was a point, wasn't there? Where like you know, talking about competing with himself. I don't. I don't think Vince was ever happy with the fact that SmackDown was doing better than than Raw, and ended up killing that anyway. Getting rid of Heyman and and SmackDown going back to the same old shite it always was. Even when there's those 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 little bits of good, it never lasts, does it? Oh, we were saying, I said to him, uh, to JP, when they mm. just claimed that when they got the F out, ratings went up. It was like, did they? Right. The bit in that era, the SmackDown 6 bit, I said, I bet they don't even acknowledge it. I bet they don't even acknowledge the great work Heyman did mm. on SmackDown mm. in getting that group of guys over on SmackDown during that era. No acknowledgement of it whatsoever. It was it was just purely like a, a platform mm. to push Vince in some way, like I tell you what, you know, I speak about Vince passing away at some point. <laughs> Man, it's gonna be oh, like um, it's gonna oh, be like a, a North Korean style, yeah, like funeral and memorandum when he's gone. Like it's gonna be painful. Mm. It is gonna be so painful watching the ten piece, like whitewashed Vince McMahon series that the WWE Network put out. All the crying on there about what a great bloke he is and what a creative genius he was. I just fear it. I fear it. Mm. And people will believe it. And I'll watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And we'll pan it on this podcast for everyone's entertainment. So, you know, you got that to look forward to at least. (laughs) 
Um, but so, I mean, while we're on WWE, you know, there was actually a good WWE pay per view this weekend. So, like, there is some positive, which actually led right into this documentary, didn't it? The uh, the takeover this weekend. I enjoy. I wouldn't go as far as you know the Alvarez of the world calling it the best takeover ever. I think he said. Uh, I've heard. I think Ryan Satin said that one as well. I know uh, Meltzer loved it too. But I really liked it. That was a really good show. High ratings on Grapple. Uh, there's some positive WWE to talk from this weekend. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this show. Um, really exceeded my expectations. I thought there was some great stuff on it throughout. I, I liked every match in some way. Um, I think the title match was really overbooked and was very tropey. But I think there were various matches that really surprised me where they didn't go down such a tropey route and it felt quite refreshing. Can I tell you, my favourite match on the card, my two favourite matches, I love the tag match, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yes. I absolutely loved Dakota Kai against Tegan Knox. Me too. I, couldn't, yeah. I could not believe how good that match was. It, it was, it, they actually went for I, it. I didn't like the ending. That, no, that was the, my no, that The bump was also horrible, and it, it yeah. didn't feel like the right ending. But the body of the match oh, yeah. and what they did in the match, the aggression, I was going about hate-filled brawls and mm. actually showing some proper hate, laying it in a little bit. I didn't think I was going to see that from Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai, and they really surprised me. Like, I don't feel like I've seen t- Nixon, Newell, Tegan Knox wrestle for about three years. Because it is pretty much that. It was a couple of serious knee yeah. injuries. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, you, forget how, you forget how good she is. Like, yeah. But this was excellent. I think Dakota Kai's uh, character change as well looks really fit as well not gonna lie um but just laying it in some absolutely brutal stuff yeah. in there as well and both of them just completely up for it wanting this match to be something and it was a spectacle and i was not expecting this sort of sort of element of spectacle from this if anything mm-hmm. yeah that's it I, I went in with no expectation and no investment in the feud either like I, I kind of I, I was aware of it from you know jumping in and out of takeovers, but I don't watch the weekly NXT TV product. But you're right, as soon as they got in there, it felt like two people who hate each other, who wants to hate each other, and you know it. it maybe it's not the, the biggest thing to be proud of, but you know a lot of times you know in women's matches sometimes the bumping and the especially things where it's like a plunder match like this in some elements, or it's a a match where you've got to lay it in because it's a blood feud. Ah, it doesn't always look the greatest. These two were well up for it, like these. These two were literally trying to kill each other in there. Maybe it went even a bit too far at points as well. But I thought it, it really, it, it played off like the step that they had. It fit the feud that was going on. You know, the look, it, it fit kind of like the the emotion that you could kind of feel from like a, a Tegan Knox as like the, the valiant, valiant baby face who's driven to kind of being a dick herself. Like I absolutely, I, I loved it. I did. Yeah, I was the same as you, Joe. I wouldn't say it was my favorite match on the show. I think it's still the tag match. But I honestly, I, I never expected in a million years to be to be so into this thing. They realised, both of them realised that they had to completely go all out in order to make this work. This was the big opportunity they had to kind of yeah. tell this story. And <clears throat> they structured it perfectly and they went wild as hell. And they completely went into it to the point of it being somewhat reckless. But that added to the story and it made sense within that as well. And it was, you know, as, as you've both said, it was just good to see... Tegan Knox kind of really means something again. On proper again, NXT too, JP? Yeah, proper NXT. Um, like I say, I didn't like the ending because, I mean, I didn't know Raquel Gonzalez was really, and she was in the May Young classic, I think, you know. That was but, a proper butcher in the blade moment, that wasn't it? Just yeah, the, just the yeah. JR going, who? Who's that? <laughs> yeah, Raquel Gonzalez, and I'm like, eh. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, it didn't mean anything necessarily within that. But I think there's still, like, there's a lot of forward momentum for both of them going forward, which is which yeah. is good to see. And they could probably do a gimmick match on the next takeover. I think yep. that'd be the WrestleMania, won't it? And people look forward to that base of how good this match was. And you know what? I thought they did a great match. Uh, sorry, a great job coming off that wild Keith Lee Dijak oh. match as well, which the crowd put like massively up for. Right. I did... I don't think it's their best match. I still think their best match is that first match they had in Evolve on a WrestleMania weekend when there was just like no expectation at all and they had this mad, ridiculous match with these big spots and were all over the place in that match. But what I'll say for this, I thought it was good fun. I thought the work rate and how hard both guys worked to get this match over and to kind of keep going with those mad spots was ridiculous. Like mm. real respect for them for that. And it was kind of cool to see this match go from that sort of indie level and get to this level in front of that many people with that many people going mad for spots they were doing three years ago in front of nobody, basically, or three years ago in Evolve. And, you know, it's Evolve. I thought, for me, it was explosive at the right points. It was too long, though, and I think it would have been better if it went about 10 minutes and it was just like completely bang, bang, bang. I think... At times, there were too many of those kind of like equal spots, so like clotheslines mm. falling on one another and stuff. Whereas I'd rather a little bit of hate there. Like they went for epic. I think they kind of achieved ep- epic, but I would I would prefer brutal mixed in with kind of stunning, like shocking spots at times as well. And I thought that it was all about the big spots and there wasn't enough kind of brutality mixed in with that, if anything. I think one of the big problems is the transitions in this match as well, if anything. Well, they don't exist, do they? (laughs) No, no. And I think that's where Dijak really needs to improve. I also thought that it went a a spot too long as well. I thought it peaked when Keith Lee hit that that spirit bomb, Dijak kind of got up and then he hit the second spirit bomb. I would have finished it at the second spirit bomb because the ending felt a little bit weak compared to how explosive the match kind of was overall, if anything. But there was some mad shit in here. That springboard he did uh, from the top rope to the outside to Keith Lee in that chair. My God, I was kind of flipping out for that. Not going to lie. Oh, that was a brilliant spot. Yeah, I honestly thought he'd landed on the back of his head on that one. Like, I was convinced that, that that's what it happened. Like, I, did you give, what did you give it, Joe? I'm just looking on Grapple. Did you give it four, did you? Yeah, I went four stars. I went four and a quarter on the uh, on the women's match. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think I, I think I went four on the women's, maybe three and three quarters. I went four on this. So same as you. And yeah, you know, for me, I, I think on site... I could be one of those people who are like, ah, I don't want to see these big lads no sell and hit big moves. But I think that's a criticism you can make in match one. I think at match, what number is this? Four, five? Like, at this point, this is the story. This is the type of match they've been doing. This is the type of match that people want. And like for me, I think it'd be worse. I, I, I would think less of them as wrestlers if they went out and they didn't do this match. I think at times, if the... If the not everything has to be like a gourmet meal. If you want to give people, you know, a big kind of trashy meal, which is essentially what this match is, like you say, there's no transitions to it. It's just big moves. It's just spectacle. I think sometimes you've just got to give people that when they want it. And I think 
after you know, the state of the matches that they've done, I've never seen that five star PWG match. Um, I can it was think, overrated. I, can, I, I think, think I remember honestly, you saying the that. first evolve was better. Yeah, I, I can remember the evolve match. I don't think I've seen the PWG match, but again, that's Meltzer with his five star live bias going to uh, what we were talking earlier. But you know what I mean? I think I feel like you'd be a bad worker if you didn't go out there and do this at this point. This is the match that people want from these two, and it was. I thought, to be honest, I just thought it was hilarious half the time. I just kind of just sitting there. Me and Matty were watching this live in mine and just laughing at it and laughing at the ridiculous spots. And yeah, some of the no-selling did kind of, you know, hit it a bit for me. And yeah, I think you're right, Joe. I might have even gone higher if it, if it maybe had finished a little bit earlier. But I think all in all, it was just, it was the, sim- the same wild athleticism and nutty spots that I think people wanted out of them and to be honest I'd be fine I think I'm never interested in Dijak to be honest he's not a guy I've ever really liked in Ring of Honor he just kind of didn't work for me Uh, Keith Lee's someone I really like but I don't mind them going back to this match if Dijak wants to be Keith Lee's Jerry Lynn and you know what I mean no matter where Keith Lee is Dijak turns up for a match you know on a Raw Dijak loses but, you know, he turns up for these big matches with Lee. I'd be happy with that. Go back, do this silly match again. It works for what it is. It's one of those things. I think if you if you overanalyze it from like a pure, you know, pure, purest wrestling ex- expectation point of view, you can pick a lot of holes in these matches. But I don't know. I think they're fun. I think they work. And I think they're what people want. So I don't think you can argue too much. Yeah, I, I would go along with both that. I went for four stars. Um, for this one <laughs> wild oh, shit yeah. I'm back now yeah I, I heard I've been here a bit longer than what you think <laughs> I was going to say as well there so, is yeah. a there you go. so this this series of matches there's there is one better series of matches that Donovan Dijak has had and it goes it goes forgot about what? and that's his series of matches with Josh Bodum which <laughs> for me personally I'd put above this because it was full of mad spots ridiculous oh. fucking spots but brutal shit as well, because Bodum was laying it in like a, the twat he is, and Dijak <laughs> was going right back. Mate, imagine those springboard off the top rope spots from Dijak in the cockpit. That's what he was doing. It was fucking mad. <laughs> uh, God, yeah. I, I can't say. Uh, I can't even remember if I've seen any of them, Joe. Um, Mate, they're awesome. Oh, they man. are awesome. RIP in peace, Josh Bodum. Still, still haunting our Instagram feeds, though, Joe. At least we get that out of him. Um, is he? Oh, there's a bloke who goes to my gym who reminds me of Bodum. He's there every time. He's a he's a right prick. <laughs> what's, what's he been up to on um on Instagram? He's been up to much. But boxing is that usually pretending to be a boxer? Yeah, yeah. Posted like a weird video of like people having a fight in the street the other day where he was just standing yeah, there like a, like a sociopath just watching it. Like, yep, that's Bodum. Oh man, strange lad. Um, while we're talking the good stuff, because I to be honest, there's a couple of matches on this show. Just they're just not for me. I'm not gonna like rip them apart because they're not aimed at me and they're not my type of thing. Before we get to that, the other big match that was for me on this show that I would like to talk about first, Undisputed Era and Bros Awaits. This was my favourite match of the show. I, Matt Riddle is like, the the comedy shite with Pete Dunne shouldn't work. It's like on face value, this is crap. This is wrestle crap. This is the worst of like, it's not Vince, but it's like Vince's worst impulses. Like give him a comedy. Oh, they they snuck on a plane. Oh yeah, they're they're an odd couple. But you know what? It fucking works. And and Riddle makes it work. And Pete Dunne makes it work. It's the most interested I've ever been in Pete Dunne. And I was standing in my living room hoping these two win. And I love that they went with it too. And you know, fuck it. If you're planning on doing Riddle versus Pete Dunne as a feud sometime soon, I really hope they have really 
literally just changed their minds and gone, you know what, lads? We'll do that in six months. We've got something here. It's working. Let's lean into mm. it. Let's do it. And yeah, I could do without like the fish comedy and stuff. But again, it works. It's over. And the two of them are fucking great together. I absolutely love this match. And yeah, Undisputed Era were, were brilliant in this one too. That's such an indication of how good he is that even that fish stuff, which was awful. It's terrible. He made, he made it as good as it possibly could be for what it is, even though it's that shit. And they still don't turn on him. Hmm. And it was something that me and Joe were talking about early on tonight. Him as a hot tag is just fucking oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah, I want to see this. These two should be teaming for quite some time. They had something really fresh as as a as a tag team. In terms of like reinvigorating Pete Dunn. I'm saying he's not like he's been completely gone or anything else. Uh, he's like been that. good though in these. But in this, he's been yeah. really gone. And it's been like a, a nice bit of character development for him and good timing. Yeah. Like say, he's not the best promo, but just his come of some of his comebacks when he says about London, he's I'm not from London, you know, <laughs> good stuff deli- delivered, you know, sort of surprisingly well. And yeah, like you was with it every step of the way for this tag match. Oh, God, O'Reilly and Fisher, yet another cracking tag oh, match. How good oh, are they? How good are they? At bumping, they're so good. Yeah. Like, O'Reilly is one of the best bump guys. Like, I think it's so underrated for how good he makes other guys mm. look. Just, they're both throwing themselves around to get these guys over. And getting that hot tag over, my God, some of the bumps that were taken were ridiculous. Like, such a good tag team. The brilliant and the the were perfect foils for for Riddle and Dunn and yeah it was I think what I really loved about the match it was the it was the kind of teasing of of the dissension between Dunn and Riddle and leaning into that oh they're probably gonna turn in, onto each other stuff it added so much more to the drama and it really I, yeah. I I I bought that stuff and I bought it and I just bought right in when they eventually won I I just thought yeah this was this was the match of the night for me. I'm, I'm struggling to remember what I gave her on Grapple. I'm pretty sure I went 4.25. Could have gone 4.5. Uh, in fact, I did go 4.5. Quite happy with that for this one. Uh, I thought this. For me, this was the match of the night. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to disagree with the, the other matches on this show that weren't so much for me. But yeah, I, I just thought it grabbed me in a way that, yeah, they're, that a lot of matches don't on these NXT takeovers. What it was with this one as well is uh, coming at that point in the show, yes. um, and it's a longer NXT show than usual, the pace they kept up and the energy in this match, like they could have quite easily lost the crowd if they went out there and just like slower paced match. Didn't lose them at one moment. Crowd were fully into this throughout. And yeah, riddle how anyone can see that bloke in the ring <laughs> who's meant to be an authority on the business and go, nah, <laughs> just baffles me. Wow. Look, they've done seconds with triple H triple H is trying to protect riddle. Triple H thinks he's any good. Lose him at WrestleMania. Just do it. Like, what else has Triple H got to offer as a wrestler, really, at this point in time? I know he's got an ego, and I know, you know, he's got his insecurities about him and having to look the man and all the rest of it. And, you know, they got on dad's plane and all the rest of it. Yeah, that was over. Put him over. Like, at the moment, if you've got the likes of Lesnar being a fucking meathead and not understanding a bloke who smokes weed and maybe doesn't eat as much steak as him as a result of that getting pissed off because Matt Riddle's making challenges to him. Get with the fucking program, Brock. Seriously, Vince, get with the fucking program. You've got a bunch of alpha morons who are so set in their ways at the moment that they cannot see what this bloke is and what he's trying to give them 
and he's trying to give them money and he's trying to make money for them. But they're not interested in making money, which is the problem fundamentally here, because they got some pot smoking kind of hilarious bloke that they probably don't quite understand wanting to make money for them and they're so set in their ways that unless it fits a stereotype they can't make money for them yeah, it's like the nice vegan bloke who came along before who wanted to make them loads of money and they decided to push him off down the, oh yeah but like, he's a midget as well and has a weird beard well, and you know is his, you know climate aware and all the rest of it so you know climate <laughs> change what's that does that exist <laughs> Apparently not according to Fox News. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this was a high point of the show for me. Uh, but yeah, uh, do you want to talk it? Uh, I noticed on Grapple, Joe, you were much higher than me on Ga- on Balor and Gargano. I gave it the gentleman's three just because I can recognise this good work it happening in the match. I just don't care about either wrestler. Uh, but I've seen very high ratings for this one. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I think maybe maybe part of mine, I'll, I'll let you go because I know I know you were into it, but I think maybe the fact that Gargano probably should have wanted some revenge against Bala, considering he's the one who put him out, didn't feel like that kind of match. They just went out there and had a, a pro wrestler match. Uh, and yeah, I just, I think what it is, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not emotionally attached to Gargano. I'm not emotionally attached to, to Champer at this point. I could care less if I'm honest about. I couldn't care less about these two two lads at this point. So I'm probably the wrong man. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really enjoy this one too much. Uh, but I'm guessing you've, uh, based on your rating, Joe, you're quite a bit higher than me. Yeah, I think I went four and a quarter on this one. Um, I thought it was, or did I go four? I can't remember. I thought it was really well laid out. Um, I thought it built really well. I didn't know anything about the feud, if I'm honest with you. Um, oh, he did that mm. turn, didn't he? Where he did the Pele. Yeah, kick. he did the Pele. Yeah, kick. And then I, you know what? On the on the outside, didn't he? Because he did the sixteen DDT. Until yeah. this point, I'd forgotten about it. I'll be honest with you. I, I was out in the kitchen, and when I was in the toilet when they were doing the build-up packages and the entrances, and I could hear it playing in the background, but I wasn't taking any notice of it. So now you say that, Ben, about the feud, then yeah, maybe I think maybe did I overrate it a little bit? Maybe they didn't play into it as much as they should have. But what I thought for this one, I thought Finn Balor's best WWE match. I can't remember a Finn Balor match in WWE that was, for me, at the level of this one in terms of how it was paced, how it built in terms of the story in the match as well. I thought it was intense at the right points. I like the spot at the end that they did where they were running across the tables doing the, um, what's the kick he does called? The coup de gras, is that it? I can't can't remember. I'm bad with move names. Um, Yeah, I just thought it was a generally good match that didn't overdo the epic tropey stuff. There were little bits of it there, but it wasn't to like a really silly, silly level. And I thought the selling was pretty good as well, considering they were doing the trope stuff, which is something I can't say for the main event necessarily. One thing I will say about this as well, Tanahashi would be absolutely furious with Finn Balor if he saw them sling blades. His execution <laughs> of them sling blades in that match was was poor. But overall, I thought this peaked to the right point and it didn't go massively over the top like the main event did. So for me, it was a well-paced, good professional wrestling match between two guys who are two solid and reliable professional wrestlers in the right environment. That's it. Solid, reliable professional wrestlers doesn't mm. stray too far from kind of my opinion on it. Just, yeah, it's your level of interest in that. What did you, where did you go with it, JP? I went three and a half, which mm. is probably the, the, the story of this in here. Normally there's one of us in between the other two, <laughs> Freudian slip. You're the reasonable um, one, JP. I, well, for this as well, I actually did think it was one of the better Balor matches. I just still think it was too long. Mm. 
that that was fundamentally what one of my issues. Twenty seven twenty at once. I'm surprised yeah. at that to be honest. I didn't realise that. I did I, I found myself because I'd almost started watching it like I don't say like wanting to hate it because I didn't want to hate it but not having re- any real expectations because like you I'm just kind of not with Gagano at this point and then watching the match and then I think after the match as well the way that it ended I went oh that's what they'll do in the main then it just sort of sort of cleared him cleared Bala sort of past this feud to go on to obviously one potentially with Adam Cole um, but at the same time it, you know, it was a good professional wrestling match, like you say. So it's yeah, I can see both your points. I just, I just for me, yeah, that bit too long. Hello. Oh, fair enough. Sorry, I, I, all, I, I was all, I was all alone there for a second because Joe's done the same thing here. So. That shows my well, level we, of interest in this match. I, mean, I had you on speaker though, yeah, but I could hear you. We smashed down the fourth wall here tonight, I, haven't I, we, with I, this? I had that little moment, JP, where I thought, did I mute my mic while I was gone? Can people hear me pissing right now? Uh, luckily, no, I got back on muted. I've done that before when I've been talking Good luck to, to those who managed to spot the points in the show where one of us has clearly <laughs> had to disappear off. We tried to I did for much. a bit to send my kid, child, tell my children to go to bed who did, weren't particularly happy about the whole idea or <laughs> taking their phones off them beforehand. Oh, they're big go. lads at this point, JP. They can put, how old are they now? Put off to bed. Come on. 15 and 13. If it kicked off, they could do some damage if they both teamed up. <laughs> but, but let's hope that day doesn't arise anytime soon. No, uh, we, not you with your uh, LA part. You missed the part shit. we broke the fourth wall where you both had gone to the toilet exactly the same time. <laughs> it was just the oh, JP right, show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a bit went a bit went a bit waiting for Godo there for a second, but we've uh, we've brought it back on track. Use waiting for him, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, moving on then. What did how did uh, we've we've discussed them in in pair so far? How did you think it compared to the main event? I think I went higher on the main event. I went three point two five, which is high for me on one of these these kind of epic Ooh. NXT main events. But can't say I loved it. Sorry, JP. I I had slightly conflicting feelings about this main event. I think I went four. Yeah, I went four as and well. In two degree, it was almost in spite of myself again while watching it because it was it was so daft. It it was almost. I'm not yeah. saying it was like done with any sort of postmodernist or post ironic kind of subtext to it, but it went so fucking over the top. And the idea that you can have three other blokes run in, start hitting him, do their, what, tag team does their finishing move on the outside to him. But it's that belt shot from a mate from, you know, just sort of a couple of feet away. That's the one that's going to really knock you yeah, out. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it was so nonsensical, but it was like watching a really daft movie that's just somehow worked. You might think it's like watching a Fast and Furious film, Benno, to a certain <laughs> degree, where it, it was... It was like sort of really ludicrous for it. The only real difference in some ways is that Johnny Gargano wasn't involved wrestling in this match, but obviously had to get his way back in the end. So by the end of it, when he saw the ending happen, it was just like almost like they've gone back to this again. Has yeah. it only just ended? Like I think they what? clearly want to do the match they were going to do last year, don't they, at WrestleMania? Yeah. So Bobby, what have they done a Bobby Ewing for a year? And he's not dead in yeah. Dallas, and then he turns up in the shower. It sort of speaks to the staleness of oh. some, a lot of the NXT stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. If anything, to some degree. And this match also reminded me about one of the things that I do love 
about New Japan and generally love about Japanese wrestling. The protection of finishers. My God. Protection of finishers, you know, but also Will Ospreay, when, he, when Will Ospreay hit that Stormbreaker, we knew that yeah, that, yeah. that was yeah. it. You know, whereas in this, fuck knows. I'm not even sure what their finishers were by the end because they were just hitting them off anyway. Yeah, I, you know what? I was kind of the same. I was like, is Adam Coles? It's that knee, hmm. was it? The last shot. But then there was someone else he did, and I was like, is that his finisher? <laughs> what is Chambers? Is it that thing he does off a top rope that he, he didn't have in the like, War yeah, Games match? Did, like, yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I was a bit, I was mm. feeling kind of the same, if anything. It's a match that I gave four stars in the moment because I thought it was uh, the work, and in terms of mm. the ability and the execution, I was like, oh, yeah. But then when I think about it, I'm like, no, I should rate this down by half a star because it was a bit silly. Yeah. And yeah. Like, the selling, like there was that move where he did, um, I think it was, um, Chamber did like a suplex and Cole onto the table on the outside and he is at the back of his head or his neck on the the announcer was like fuck yeah, that was brutal no selling but back up within mm. like 10 seconds yep. and then Adam Cole's hitting a I'm pretty sure he hit some sort of like Canadian destroyer off the top right you're like yep. that's it is that yeah. his finisher it's one of them or are they both his finisher I don't know <laughs> he did it to the outside and he still didn't yeah, win yeah and he got up like, st- <laughs> you're like you're like in New Japan when they do this there's like a 20 count if you get him back in yep. or there's some kind of selling the effect of it or you sell it in a delayed way later on mm. like just in the next sequence yeah, it was silly. It yeah. kind of, to me, illustrates yeah. the difference between two companies. It's weird because that Kent and Naito main event last week was boring. Mm. This wasn't necessarily boring, but Kent and Naito came across no. as better wrestlers. Do you know what I mean? Um, in the match, in terms of the way they worked the match. But I kind of preferred this match. It's, a, it's such a weird one to describe. Yeah. I reckon just sitting here silently. I think I've talked just round to my point of view. Yeah, I don't want to push my luck, but honestly, mm. honestly, I forgot to mention it in a bit. There's a, there's a certain death match we're going to talk about later where I honestly think the selling was better than in here. Um, oh uh, come on! Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. Disgrace. <laughs> but honestly, like there was probably the reaction you had to that match, Joe. There were genuine. There were point. I reckon there was all the five points in this match where I just shouted "fuck off" at the telly. Number five being yeah, the whole. The Gargano turn, which just fuck off, lads. I, oh, I just this whole like this Shawn no. Michaels fucking midget amateur amateur dramatics division does no good to any of these lads. I used to love Johnny Gargano. I used to think he was one of the best. Ba- I used to put I'd put him up there with Sami Zayn as one of the great underdog baby faces in wrestling, and you do still see that in him. But the reason I think I'm so sick to the back teeth of them is just the way they use him in NXT and going back to this feud over and over again. And, you know, the fucking, the amateur dramatics will probably be getting nailed on at WrestleMania weekend again with these two. Like, ah, I just don't care. I, I just think Shawn Michaels is like taking, you know, what worked for him with The Undertaker at WrestleMania and just literally that's his idea for every match now as an agent like just do that shit do that do that fucking well, amateur dramatic nonsense hit a big move lay around come back no selling's a new one i suppose from the Shawn michaels formula but like i just don't care about any of these lads and i think a big part of it's that a big part of it's the fact that there's no momentum for, for gargano he can't go to raw because he'll get buried on raw so he has to stay in nxt and we're just constantly going through this endless circle of hell of him and champa constantly going back to each other again 
Like I just I can't stand it. And you know, I can recognise there's a there are elements of a very good pro wrestler matchup and in front of me, hence why I'll still give it a three or a three point two five, I think I actually gave this one in the end. But I just couldn't care less. Well, it there might be one way of remedying some of this because uh Shawn Michaels will be at the For Love of Wrestling <laughs> convention in Liverpool. So it might be worth to, to kind of record this. Just note down what you've said over the last sort of couple of minutes and just dish it back to him and, mm. and see what he says. He was my so, hero, JP, in 1996. I fucking love Shawn Michaels. He's like that era of Shawn Michaels. Are you, my favorite re- you know what? Yeah. When you're yeah. 12. Oh, I still love Shawn Michaels wrestler. 10 years ago. I, I was there. He was great 10 years ago. He was still the best wrestler in the company in like 2009. What was he Mate, doing I in thought nine? Rolf Harris was funny. Things fucking changed. <laughs> Mate, I'm sorry. Shawn Michaels was fucking awesome. I know oh, that we don't know the way he's laying out matches, but fuck me. There's a comparison. <laughs> uh, oh, don't get me wrong. He's the best of all time, in my opinion, in ring. Um, I love it. His first run, I probably love twice as much as, as his second run. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I will still get the footmark photo with him to answer your question, JP. And I'm, I'm gonna, I might still have some words, uh, but it'll mainly be for the 12 year old in me, not so much the uh, the 2020 uh, NXT fan in me. I haven't forgotten him for him shitting in Sonny's bag. I'm still annoyed about that. <laughs> I, I haven't forgiven him for pushing Joe Coffee. You know, that's his boy as well on NXT UK. His fingerprints are all over that too. Well. Sorry, trying to eat your biscuits. All gone to hell in this one tonight. Look, we're isn't going it? long tonight, lads. That's we're, all it is. Exactly. <laughs> we, we know this show's not finishing in the next twenty minutes, so you one, know, got to get in it. One upside from the show as well. Looking forward to. Uh, is it going to be Jordan Devlin, Joe Coffee in Dublin? <laughs> Fingers With crossed. Coffee, coffee pushed as the baby face. Really worked that self. Is that a thing? Yeah, we, <laughs> they haven't guessing. announced it, but he's oh. headlined the last two. So have him against Devlin again. Well, definitely won't be headlining, will he? Ah, he's the cruiserweight just... champion. Talking about it, he's he's talking about doing a Walter mm. match. That's what he keeps. Pushing. Oh right, okay, okay. Which yeah. you know, yeah, oh great, yeah. Let's get let's get the the classic Devil and Walter match, but just with no soul in a promotion that doesn't really exist. Uh, yeah. yeah, great. Have, have faith; they'll get the nuances of the uh, earlier Walter Devlin story. I'm sure that they'll add layers to it. What is it, you Irish say, JP? Up the rat? No, I won't say that. No, anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> anything more on NXT or uh, Takeover or did, um, what? Did we I skip? don't think we. we, we I don't know. If, I don't know if we mentioned it earlier on. I I thought Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair was yeah, should mention it was, was was fine. I thought I thought it was good. It just was unfortunately the problem was here is that we already know that Rhea Ripley Charlotte Flair is going to be a thing. So ultimately, it kind of takes away the drama. That's not to say that there isn't actually potential with Bianca Belair, and that obviously is with Rhea Ripley. She's improved loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There has. I mean, there's definitely something there, but it's effectively, you know. And I didn't. I thought the angle with Charlotte afterwards was actually quite well done mm, in terms of. They yeah. like doing the heat angles on the yeah, show. I noticed. Do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and also, shout out for this crowd. This crowd are fucking hot all night. I how long is it since WWE had run in? Oregon? Is it a long time or is it specifically Portland? I don't know. Oh, one thing I want to comment on the Bianca Belair um, mm. uh, Rhea Ripley match. Now you brought it up. Mm. Did anyone pick up on Beth Phoenix's comment during this match, which I was like, what? I barely like, noticed she exists, to be honest, Joe. Um, she's yeah. one of those commentators. Fair, fair enough. So there was a comment she made at one point when Morrow Mar- laid her on for oh, it. Mar- and she said, uh, 
This is the moment we've been waiting for. Women performing at this level. Like, what? what? Isn't that coming about five years out of date? Like, mm-hmm. this has been happening at this level, on this scale, regularly, and at an even higher level, i.e. WrestleMania main event, for quite a while now. Like, this is kind of um, like, I don't know, if in 2002, I've said, I said to you, like, ah, oh, this is the moment we were waiting for. A Labour majority. Look at the size of it. <laughs> happened in 1997. <laughs> like, the comment was five years out of date. Like, madness. Sorry, it really wound me up, that comment. It was just like, <laughs> oh, one of the tropey lines pushed the whole, like, mm. like women's revolution or evolution thing that you're still trying to pat yourselves on the back for. Like, it's established now that women are in this position, this promotion. Do they need to keep going on about it and pushing it in this way? I don't know. I was going to say on the, on the subject of commentators, though, Mauro Ronaldo is Oh, just, I was going to say, I fucking I, hate him. I really have turned on him. I just find him unlistenable. At least Beth Phoenix kind of disappears off into the background. Nigel will say something occasionally like, what the fuck? Um, (laughs) Whereas with Mauro, it's honestly to God, I just drive me up the fucking wall. Look, he reminds me of like, you know, when you start a documentary, I know he likes a big bag of weed. Could have do with a bit of that beforehand. It's either. He reminds me of, like, you know, when you, when you first start podcasting, like, I can remember doing it, like, the first one I did with Martin, or, like, that PWN Catchcast, and you're so nervous about, like, oh, am I going to say all the right things? And you basically, like, I, I had, like, notes written down of specific things I wanted to make sure I got in. Like, that's what he's like. He's literally got full lines of commentary that he's just reeling off, or off a bit of paper. And he's, like, how many years in the game, and supposedly how good. He's not pros like us, lads, where we come with no notes and just, you know... Using Hamilton's reviews to, to, to do our listeners, own. you're lucky if we put the time into right notes. Should be should be grateful if we even think of. To be fair, it. I've got a few. I've got a few, but not like yeah, I do occasionally. Yeah, depends, depends on the show. Depends on the match. Yeah, that's there's some things, isn't there? Like James, you'll say that like if it's a good match, you should probably remember the big spots. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it probably mm-hmm. says something about the match if you don't quite remember it. Um, but yeah, like Morrow's like literally. I feel like he's got a script he's reading off. Like he's just. He's appalling. Can't stand him. I make notes during G1. Good lad. Yeah, same. A lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's when it's really needed, isn't it? Uh, yeah. That's when um, your spreadsheet shines. I don't have spreadsheets. Oh, well, we know you got the I hate spreadsheets. I can't fucking stand Excel. Not, not a fan of Excel. No. I'm not. A, I can't do math. Well, I can, but I don't like mathematical equations or anything on a. Yeah, <laughs> just science, maths loses me. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big Excel spreadsheet guy. Uh, well, only for the G1. Uh, but anyway, NFL, so do they be take over or should we uh, move on to uh, AEW? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let, oh, can we just talk about this death, Ash? we get out of the way? <laughs> <laughs> and then go go on, on, get Joe. on to the good stuff. I'll, no, take, I'll take my you, licks. You, your credibility shot, mate. You gave Nonsense. that match. Ricky Shane Page, who I've always thought shit anyway, versus <laughs> Nick Gage, who, you know, I, I have a real admiration for... Nick Gage and what he brings to the table and his appeal. You can tell how bad Ricky Shane Page is because he can't even have an entertaining match with Nick Gage in my eyes. Nick Gage, a man who, when I went to the Nike store to buy some new running trainers, I bought the trainers Nick Gage wears. I like Nick Gage that much. The ones he was wearing in that match, I wear running. Yeah, good trainers, good bit of spring on him as well. This match, Benno, four and a half stars. Benno, three, I can forgive you. <laughs> Mate, this was worse than that Rollins versus The Fiend Hell in a Cell match. This was diabolically bad. It was just a couple of lads setting up some spots, 
through shite, killed themselves for whatever reason in front of a bunch of bums. And then some lads <laughs> turning up every now and then, just, I don't know, adding whatever they were adding in it. It was just... And I think JP is with me on this as well. We were sort of sat I, there like, what is this shit? I couldn't, I, I couldn't abide this match, Benno. Couldn't I couldn't abide it in the slightest. I saw you gave it four and a half stars in the grapple at Benno. I thought, oh, Nick Gage as well. <laughs> like, there's got to be something to that. Like, were you trying to troll me? Like, was hey, this some, I was said... This some, <laughs> go on. Was this some bait that you put in place on the grapple app hoping I'd see it? <laughs> Oh, no. I, I said in our so, group chat I said I gave it four and a half but that doesn't mean I think you should watch it Joe <laughs> like uh, I, I, I hate being the deathmatch guy on this podcast but I'll be it I'm fine you can be wrong together mate, you lads. gave this four and a half stars you've <laughs> asked you've actively asked to be it the, the, gra- the, the grapple average until you gave it 0.25 Joe was 4.36 I feel like it the grapple users stand so with so bad oh <laughs> Like, what is wrong with these mad... There's, well, there's another 28 of you out there, Benno. <laughs> I think... I, I would I would sum this match up, and I, you know, I've been readying myself for this, Joe, and you always getting some pelters on this one. You know when we were talking about the, uh, the, the women's match on NXT TakeOver uh, on this podcast? We described it as it was great because they were laying it in. It was great because it was a spectacle. It was somewhat reckless, but it worked for the story. That sums this match up. <laughs> Joe, that sums this match up. And you yeah. know you know what this match was? Joe to piss you off even more. It was the Osprey star of GCW. Uh, okay. Because How? you need you need to have the investment in the story Osprey that you're telling. No, no, right, no, no, okay. no, no. Osprey star. You need to have the investment. You know what? Remember when the Andy Q stuff happened and like oh, all the podcasts. But the, but the wrestling, the body of the wrestling was good in Osprey Star? It was just, I got why people didn't like the quill and stuff. They didn't understand the story. Like, what was <laughs> good wrestling-wise in this match? Right. I didn't get the story. The, the sto- the st- they've been telling the story for like two years. The, sto- the story is that like, the, the basically Ricky Shane Page is a piece of shit who's trying to take over GCW. And for me, it had every element of... Oh, yeah, match. I got that because of the RSP over the GCW sign and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah so much heat. Like, for me, you had a top baby face who was fucking beloved in, in Nick Gage. You had RSP who's like a hated heel who genuinely, like, when you watch these GCW shows, even the shows he's not on, he's been a massive presence. It had emotion. It had crowd engagement. It had Nick Gage doing tribute spots to his brother, Justice Payne. It wasn't flawless. Like, I, you know... You know, but it's the final four and a half stars but the fu- but, which so is it wasn't flawless. flawless by half a star I could have given it five Joe went with four and a half but you know it had like the heels outnumbering stuff and they did that one time too many I didn't love that they could have told the whole 10 story and the promoter coming out to make the pin similar to Andy Quilden they could have done that in a in, in a better way but for me crowd were living and dying by the results you had the injustice of the big heel run if you had time, if if there was a time to do the silly deathmatch spots, a feud that's gone on for two years, this is the time. I know I like that stuff, and you guys don't. But for me, as as I mentioned earlier, I thought the salad was better than some of the takeover matches, and I just felt like yeah, the, the, everything here here was in the big bumps were end, and I thought he told a great a great story, and I loved loved the heat after that. It was like with Cody Dustin, where I was sat on 4.25 and then the, the post-match happened. Same here. Sat on 4.25 and then they get that NWO era heat for RSP and the lads. Love that too. Thought it was great, lads. Four and a half. Stand by it. Grapple users get your ratings in. 
I'm going to bring something up, Benno. I might stump you a little bit. I didn't think you ever watched David Starr versus Osprey. Never seen him. Okay. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> bit of an unfair comparison, maybe. There. No, I'm saying I'm saying that the criticism of that match was that like people people had to go at the, the shenanigans and you guys and Will. The pushback was, well, you don't know the story. That's what I'm saying. That's where no. that's where it aligns. I'm not comparing the in-ring work of either match. I'm just comparing that criticism. And yeah. Mate, to me, this is not like I get that it, the crowd wanted this sort of shite, right? <laughs> but like, if you I'm saw someone you. in CZW like this when during like, the Ring of Honor years, you'd have just dismissed this as well. I think a lot of people would dismiss this as just like deathmatch shite. I, I just I, what? Where is the ability here? Where is the kind of skill and the craftsmanship in this? Like, yeah, just you know, it, Jim, Jimmy Havoc should have been in this match, and everyone would have slagged it off. Just yeah, fall for a pane of glass for a bit. <laughs> Sit around, lad. Yeah, we set up another pane of glass. Like selling. Like there's been a fucking awesome. When he smashed him with a light tube in the mouth. Great. What it's not these aren't matches as you know when they've been on when Ricky Shane Payne was on live that TNT show you mentioned earlier on I just went I'm going outside I can't watch this I can't just can't do deathmatch stuff so watching this was kind of like water torture for me um I you know I, I just put it down to it's different genres of wrestling yeah. and the way I look at this is it's I don't get it it's not for Does me it- don't so in that way I kind of leave it at that although bizarrely I will say when they do announce a kind of tournament of death for the UK, I'm just very intrigued where they're going to be holding it. I won't lie. Does, does it help if I say... There's no commitment to say I'm going, but oh, I am you're going. intrigued. Does, does it help if I say it's a 4.5 star death match as its own category? Because you, know you know what this reminds me of, JP? Like, you'll remember Comedy, this. young boys matches. Do, do you remember when NME was like the whitest newspaper of all time? And they'd ever they'd like review because I was a big rap fan in like the early two thousands. And they'd review a rap album every every now and then. And every time they'd review it, no matter how good the album, whether it was like you know the Marshall Mathers LP or the Chronic, or it was like you know Enter the Thirty Six Chambers, or it was just some shite, it'd always get one star. And the reviewer would always go, Ah, fuck it, just a load of swear and ah, there's no talent in this stuff. They're the wrong guys to be to be reviewing it. You've got to review it in context with what it is. Ah, uh, no, I, I think that's a bad comparison, personally. I think. <laughs> well, you good don't like music. death matches, do you? What, yeah, what, what's I, a death match? Because like? I just don't think this genre as a thing is good in any way at all. I just think it's just. But then that comes down to personal I think opinion, it's though. Borderline, it? like, how can I put it? I'm trying to think of a term that I could use to sum it up. Like, I just, I can't, I've got a pretty open mind when it comes to giving any rest of the go. There's a lot of wrestling that isn't for me, Mm. right? I just can't see anything in this stuff. Like, there's, it's, I find it just so empty. Like, what, what is the ability here? Explain to me what the ability is here, what the skill is here. All right, I get there's a storyline going on, but it feels like it's a bunch of absolute reprobates sat in a room wanting to carry on being reprobates for a few hours, watching some absolutely mental shit. And they're getting, you know, they're enjoying getting to see that mental shit because that's what they turn up for. Like, it it just doesn't. I don't get it's like to me it's the happy hardcore of wrestling. <laughs> I, did, I, had, I had a mate who was a happy hardcore. There's another DJ, image for you. Happy hardcore DJ, theme now as well. <laughs> a massive pillhead, like absolute loon of a bloke. Like mate of mine, 
But let's just say our lifestyles were not similar and our tastes in music were not similar. And I used to hear this happy hardcore shite that he put on. I should be like, the fuck is this? Like, has anyone listened to this? This is just like mad music. And it's not dated well. And the happy hardcore scene hasn't dated well, as he's told me in recent years. Like, it's, I ju- no. I'm just, it's just lost on me. Like, I'm not a big fan of period dramas. I get them. I get why people like them. I really do. This, I've just, it's just lost on me. <laughs> I like, I like a hate-filled brawl and that's between what this was? two. No, it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> Mate, it a hate-filled the... brawl. I, I a hate-filled could... brawl. Kawada versus Tawe, 1991. <laughs> Go watch it. Two great yeah. wrestlers doing some great wrestling in a hate-filled yeah. match where there's blood and the blood's visceral and gets oh. across because it's there. This is this is ah oh, this is could Akira Tawe take a, a power slam through a pane of glass? No, he could. That's couldn't. the question. That's and the question. good because he no one should ever be taking a power slam for a pane of glass in a wrestling match. Ah, it's not that. If bad. you take a power cuts. slam for a pane of glass in a wrestling match, you're not a good wrestler. You can't <laughs> do the things that other wrestlers do. Therefore, you take shortcuts and go down this stupid, insane route. And try and justify this as wrestling. It's ah. Uh, if this nah. was, if this was like your bog standard Jimmy Havoc. I've seen Jimmy Havoc have shite death matches. I've seen him have a match with Nick Gage in GCW. You put that match side by side with this one, and there is there's a significant difference. There's grades to this. There's no way this is you four point five. You can give me grief about Joe. This isn't point two five. Come on. It is. Let's, uh, uh, mate, this I can't is not see how this is anything better. Than this is, than it's this. a bunch of lads going through just, panes of glass. But at this point, it's just classic, like, one of you really loves the genre and the other one really hates it. Yeah. I, and I'm in the category of really hating it. I think the way I just feel with it is is it's just not for me. It's not for me at all. And I don't get the psychology and, and, and other things on it. But in that sense, if they're on in front of me, I think I just walk away. Oh. Most of the time, it's, other than you saying the four and a half felt like a bit of bloody sneaky trickery in, and then at some point over WrestleMania weekend, there'll be a couple of these lads smashing shite out of each other's, diving through uh, light tubes and the rest. But because um, it goes on, and it's it's just a subgenre of wrestling. Again, you know, okay. I'm not going to sell either you on it, but for me. Uh. This, this was one where it was different. It had story. It meant something. The big bumps meant something. But clearly, uh, art is in the eye of the, uh, the beholder. And for me, this was art. art. This was high art. Art. <laughs> uh, so, Joe, can I get you up to a one, Joe? On How about a one? You, what? What's this? Sorry. Oh, that's the picture of Daniel Bryan, the, the flying bottle. That's going to the show. That was art. And happy hardcore now you've mentioned it. I wish I'd mentioned jungle music earlier on. We could have got loads I'm fine of... with that. I understand that. <laughs> jungle not, music. Not my personal oh, you yeah. know, preferred genre. I get it. Happy hardcore. That now. never lasted nearly as long as it should have done jungle. Jungle is well worthy of a revival at this point. And a lot of the times it's, it becomes drum and bass. And I'll tell you what, this death match revival jungle. on the und- like I don't know, like the undergraps as a term that's used. Oh, I'm just ah. Oh. Fuck it out. You're not, coming to You're not going to be coming to Liverpool no, for GCW then, No, Joe. no, and no again. Don't even try. Don't even try. <laughs> even if Gage is there. Look, why would I want to go to a wrestling show <laughs> where I might risk getting fucking glass in my eye 
I might end up in the fucking hospital afterwards as a result of these absolute nutcases who can barely wrestle deciding to go through panes of glass for a laugh and sit you around for a little You did the Death House, bit. though, didn't you? The first one. Yeah. Yeah, and we... I didn't watch it properly. I was like, fuck this. And I stood in the you ring talking the ring. to talking to Matt Richards while it went on, seeing, like, Clint Margera fall off scaffold and think, the fuck is he doing? Why is he doing it? And watching Drew Parker as this young wrestler I've been told was good and thinking... Why? What? Why are you doing this shit, mate? What's the point? Anyway, you, you don't fancy turning up to your wedding party, Joe, with a bit of glass in your eye? No, is that not a not a not going to work, though? <laughs> he's he's not not. I don't think that's going to happen at all. <laughs> Joe, Joe, uh, JP, you're coming up though, aren't you, for the uh, the GCW Liverpool shows? Uh, um, maybe not shows, but show. They got. Uh, I think I think the Thursday one certainly will be one that I, that, that I'll be able to do. Depending I, what's happening on that Friday, otherwise that'll be a a massive dart around on the Saturday, but mm. yeah, they, definitely for somebody, it's intriguing. They do it. They look, they, they're running it with the perfect promotion, aren't they? In the UK for where that's. Yeah. And I don't think they'll, it'll be so heavy on the death. Ma- there'll be, there'll be a death match. I'm sure of it, but I think the names they've announced so far, they announced Alex Zane. They'll bring in the over, I'd hope the likes of Tony Depp and I can't see Nick Gage getting into the country, to be honest with you. Uh, but I love it. I, I've got a real conspiracy theory that's similar to Ring of Honor in the 2000s where they probably sort of spike in uh, interest in the Liverpool area and they saw lots of DVDs being bought in the uh, Liverpool area in the year 2006 and thought it was a good idea to come out here and tour here. I feel like, yeah, maybe the amount of fight books I've been spending on GCW shows over many weekends and over the year has uh, maybe convinced them because fuck me i can't believe they're coming over and they're coming they're literally just coming to liverpool and working with tnt of all promotions that's uh that's kind of wild and to be fair i've seen a lot of interest in it i think a lot of people are uh, considering making the trip for the just the uh the uniqueness of it even if they're not a uh, big deathmatch ghouls like me and the crazy house afterwards there you go yeah electric warehouse yeah. Uh, get yourself there for the after party uh but we can talk that closer to the time um uh, cool should we talk aw then more positive note joe uh, well, some proper wrestling here, like <laughs> good wrestlers, guys who can wrestle. Look at that first match, for example. A great wrestler like Kenny Omega, one of the greatest of all time, if you ask me, Ben. I know you won't agree on that one because, you know, he's not Ricky Shane Page and oh, the rest of it. you did a good impression of him a couple of months ago, Joe, you know. You are. He did a good impression of him a couple of months ago in that uh, death match with Moxley. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't really get that one to be honest with you. And I thought, I what, what, why is he lowering himself to this standard? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it would be like I don't know, Springsteen turned up an Happy Hardcore club and suddenly <laughs> spinning Happy Hardcore records or something like Legend. Why, why the fuck are you doing oh, this? Bruce? Him. <laughs> Jesus. His only reply is surely, I'm having a midlife crisis. Really, if he turned up at a happy hardcore club. And I worried for Kenny Omega, but the tag team of Adam Page, he seems to be getting back on track. I, I thought this AEW show was the best dynamite yet, to be honest with you. I thought it was absolutely cracking from start to finish. I think the Hangman Page, Kenny Omega stuff is really working hmm. in the way that we're talking about Dunn and Riddle working in as well. Hmm. I'd say this is less of an odd couple but they've got a strange connection, strange charisma. Some of the double team moves they do, the way they play off each other, really good. And I love how much Hangman Page has managed to get over with this gimmick. Like, good on him. He's found himself and he needed to find himself because I think he was put in an unfair position at the start of the promotion. A lot of expectancy put on his head, but now he's finding himself now. And I thought this was an awesome opener, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
yeah, I really enjoyed this as a as an overall show. Um, and I think I'd go with you saying it's my favourite one as well, just structurally. Some of the, yeah. these usual things that we kind of banged on, yeah. about, on, on about. Getting it right, aren't but they? But are getting it right, killing the Nightmare Collective. <laughs> like, I know we spoke like last week about sort of the reasoning behind it. The important thing is that it's gone. Yeah. Like that's the that's the takeaway. That's not there. Although they've still got Luther, he's going to be having a match with Jimmy Havoc, which one I, for Benno. Yeah. <laughs> Death match legends be, against each other, Joe. What a dream match. Which I won't be watching. It should, should be tick six stars. It should be the um a, a card a, a Omega version of the Death Star it's, matches just breaks the scale. It's an absolutely um, finished deathmatch worker, way past his prime and Luther. Yeah. What a match. Everything about like the way they built up, I thought the way that they're leading into the Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager feud, I really enjoyed that. The fact that the the crowd were obviously in him because they were in Austin as well. Nyla Rose improved. Remember that that match match is awesome. That match with Rio, in the sense that remember on the opening show that they had, and that was a match I didn't have expectation for, but the crowd again kind of willing it through. Nyla Rose is getting better. And she works as that kind of, if you're not having Kong around as well and you want to go with that intimidating champion, that's what you do. I thought Rio was awesome in that yeah, match yeah. as well. It was an underdog baby face. And the pace she was working at as well at points, that spot where she springboarded off the table. Oh, oh. My, I was losing my shit for that. Like, I honestly best thought. she's looked. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, really good. But I, was this the best match that they've had on Dynamite, I wondered as well, to some extent? I was trying to think of what matches are better. I think maybe that eight-man that you had Phoenix and Pentagon yeah, and uh, Butcher, Butcher and the, the Blade, Blade in with Young Bucks and Paige and Omega, you could argue, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. But yeah, I was trying to wrap my brains. And I think this might have it, to be honest with me, to be honest with you. High praise. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved the show. To be honest, I loved the show as a whole. And maybe I'm not... I, don't, I wouldn't say the best episode purely because of how much... You know that episode where um, they had uh, Cody with MJF scarf and he punched the window and he had that like brawl with the Jericho lot. Like DDP came out and there were all there were other good segments on the oh, show. Oh, yeah. I think that's still my favourite. But you're right. Like from a structural point of view... Big Tone has grabbed this fucking promotion by the scruff of its neck. Yeah, like these last three or four weeks, like they are really, really onto something. They are getting it right. They're getting the the matches are all very good, but it's not just that. The promos are there. The character development is there. You know what a what a TV show for Santana. Like, have you ever cared so much about like about? I mean, I like LAX as a team, but like. To, to think about, you know, as, as an actual person and as, like, a character and, you know, to give him some depth. Like, those, it, it was just, it was such a great show from that point of view as well to give us that, you know. We mentioned earlier about Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, if he ever goes on, on Raw, you know what they're going to do with him? They're going to stick him in the ring and make him ju- do dueling promos with, like, some authority figure. And it's not going to be the best Matt Riddle you're going to get. What AEW does is they don't do that. They don't just throw, you know, a Santana in the ring and make him cut a promo. Stick him backstage with JR, edit it down, get JR to ask the right questions, and get Santana to tell, like, a... You know, maybe he sounded like a little bit overprepared, you know, with some of the way he talked about it, but tell a real story or what felt like a real mm-hmm. story about his dad. But also at the same time, you know, 
make you under make you maybe empathize with him a little bit and understand his reasoning for being you know a heel and for wanting to go after moxley but also still still thinking he's a piece of shit because no matter what he says he's still the one that tra- as jr rightly pointed out he's the one who tried to take moxley moxley's eye out as part you know of the stable in general i thought it was ah, that was that was just no perfect the match itself was great in a way of, of getting him over as just a hit him and ortiz both look great to be honest against moxley really really like them both as as singles acts and i think there's there's maybe potential money in there somewhere but yet that wasn't that was an abiding thing for me from this show from like a, a structure point of view getting those bits you know getting darby allen you know his little promo segment that they, that they snuck in there as well i thought like yeah from that point of view it's a home run in that they're not just throwing matches out there like they were remember like week three week four week five we kind of got a lot of that we're getting a real mix of content on the show as well and i think that yeah. is a real strength of dynamite right now on this run even the Britt Baker stuff, which I would oh, have been probably right, yeah. prepared to hate. It's been great. Really She's been good. brilliant. She's really gone with it as well. And the yeah. health insurance line on the Starbucks, I, I pissed myself yeah. at. That was great. And the Whataburger, I don't know if you've been to Texas, but like Whataburger. Oh, I've been there, but not there. Is it any good? Oh, big deal uh, no i think it's overrated big deal in texas though so I, straight away i got the reference which you said it as well i was like oh that was right right place to execute that line yeah it, uh, yeah she's been really good in terms of this character development yeah. so I hope she improves in the ring i go back to the santana bit simple character profile all they've got to do playing off this promo from the week before there's been a consistency in the book in week to week now yeah um and i think that's the biggest relief and like I said, back to basics, no nightmare collective. Yeah, all right, the Dark Order stuff's still there, but it's not as overwhelming as it was, say, in that, um, mm. that episode before Christmas where it felt like that was kind of the main driving force of the promotion. You were scared where they were going yeah. for in the new year at yeah. that point. If it was ever since that point, Big Tone has got hold of this and he's gone, right, yeah. no, this is what goes on. And even guys getting over as well. You think Santana's going to be more over as a result of those promo pieces the last couple of weeks. Look at Jungle Boy this week as well. Mm. Yeah, the Jericho stuff got him over. I think he got even more over this week in defeat to MJF because he got so much offense in and was able to show what a talent he was in that short, simple but effective match. You get some good stuff from MJF as well who gets his character further over. MJF doesn't need to get over in his ring work. He needs to get over his character work. He did that. Jungle Boy needs to get over his ring work and how his character's betrayed in the ring. He did that. Simple, effective, great stuff. Yeah. And, he, and even like for next week, which is something, this is something that main roster WWE ever, never does in terms of announcing stuff. The fact that you've got Jeff Cobb coming in. Oh, mate. Like, oh, oh, mate. Jeff's a killer. Yeah. yeah. Big Jeff coming in there again. Oh, mate. And then you've got Cody and Wardlow in the cage. And I think there's, oh, what is it? They've got Lucha Brothers versus um, Omega and Page. And then you've got the Pack versus Omega match in two weeks. They're building up really yeah. nicely as well there. This is yeah. the way they need to go because they've got that guaranteed money. And I know the temptation is to look at the ratings and to react to those all of the time. This is what they need to do. They need to be in the business of making people invest in their characters mm. and invest in this. And it's not about making a promotion that just necessarily appeals to us. But do this in this way, in this clear, logical way. Realize they don't need to panic. They don't need to rush stuff. Do it organically, and you're going to get a reward from this as well. And they'll end up creating the buzz, uh, and which will get people into watching it. 
but definitely since Tone has got a like, he's got a leash on this promotion, and you know he's holding it tight and he's making sure that it's it's not going off the off the rails. And but even when they do heat segments as well, so you think they ended the last two weeks with the MJF Cody stuff, mm. and they've ended this week with uh, the Inner Circle with bringing Jeff Cobb in mm. um, as this kind of bounty hunter guy. So they've ended two weeks in a row with like a heat segment, but it's good heat. It's not mm. this horribly negative, like um, apathetic heat for WWE. It's, it's tuning next week. Here. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. you know that it's going somewhere, and you know there's going to be payoffs to this stuff as well. This is good shit. Mm. Re- to, to quote Vince McMahon, really good shit at the moment, and I, I really hope this continues because this has been such an easy watch the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. it shouldn't see or feel so foreign, should it? To have like a a good wrestling weekly TV show that you can look forward to every week. But we've got it right now. And yeah, I think the fact they've got the pay-per-view to focus on is helping. I think that's good. But I think, yeah, they're, right. they're doing a lot of the good things. Mixing in like a Cobb who like... Do you, th- do you think with Cobb, do you think he's he's in just for the one shot? That's kind of my theory on it. I don't know if he's got it. Mm. Because I, th- I kind of think you can't. he's basically taking Swagger's role here. I feel like he's going to be like Monster of the Week. Uh, and they might maybe start rotating people like him in. Do you think there's, there's, there's value in doing that? I had a feeling that he's going to be in for, say, a couple of weeks. Mm. Then he might disappear for a little bit and then he'll come back at some point and he'll be a baby face. And there'll be some sort of feud with some of the inner circle, inner circle members, maybe. maybe they, he didn't take out Moxley yeah, ma- the pay-per-view. Yeah, maybe they beat him down the way out or something. But maybe it plants the seeds for something that comes down the line, possibly. And yeah, let him work see. maybe New Japan for a little bit. Yeah, it's not the, is, not the yeah. worst idea, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, anything more? A few hosses coming through in that place. Big lads, no? big lads. Yes. Bro- who's coming in? Um, Brody Lee, uh, Lance Archer. I think he's he's due to come in, isn't he? As well, uh, the yeah. rumors. Yeah, Lance Archer's Cobb. the one I'm looking forward to definitely. If he if he does come in, yeah. What are you in there? Uh, any other thoughts on AEW? No, just no. long hope this continues because this was an awesome week of television. Oh. Fuck me, lads. People say we're not positive. This has been a very positive show as far as wrestling goes. What a, like you said at the top, Joe, what a week of wrestling we've had, really, in general. One blip. We've discussed the blip. <laughs> Disagree, Other than that, we'll, we'll just brilliant. 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 <laughs> we'll do. It was, a, it was a bit discerning watching a, a propaganda documentary. Oh, yeah, the, there is that. Kind too. of at the end of it all. In <laughs> the worst way possible, I enjoyed it, though. Yeah, it's always fun oh, to yeah. have a go to me. Because it was even worse than what I expected it to be, that documentary. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I kind of revel in how bad they can they can get in many ways. It's the people who believe them. Yeah. That's that's the really terrifying thing. They're the ones you fear for. Or, or oh, the, yeah. The people who are excited about NXT UK coming to Ireland, they're the other people that I worry about. Why can't like, you be happy for them? <laughs> Look, you want the wrestlers to starve? Is that what you want? Do so you want them either dead? Look, because it's, it's one of two choices. We don't want to put dinner on their table. Either they starve to death or they sign with WWE. Those are the two options. It's binary choices. Oh, I, t- I tell you who's not starving to death. I went to a, you know, after the after London, uh, I was still in London on the Saturday and had a bit of a wander around Brick Lane. Have you, seen, you know, those like Indian restaurants that are there, that are there, and they've got like pictures. Oh of celebrities. yeah, they've got like pictures of celebrities who've, who've visited their restaurants, and they'll be like, I don't know, like Jamie Oliver, or they'll be like some. B star or like a Jim Davidson or something. One of the Indians had a picture of like the owner stood outside with Edgar Davids, and next to it, a picture of the owner stood outside next to Wade Barrett. I was like, you know what? There you go, Wade Barrett's made it. He's a star. He's a, he's got his he's got his name in lights in a in a nice uh, picture outside the restaurant in a uh, in Brooklyn and in, uh, in Shoreditch. 
good solid place to go for a curry though brick lane yeah oh, and a man a man who's been interviewed by us as well in wade barrett so you know. yeah, yeah we yeah. had the one in the corner didn't nice we? lad we did top bloke yeah good fella. Good yeah. Fella. uh hey, i wonder if that's edgar davis when he was managing barnet I wondered that. I reckon that's probably yeah. the right era. That's probably the only reason he's around. Because he had that era, didn't he, where he was like a pundit and he was on TV all He the was time. at Spurs. Mm. Oh, yeah, of course. He yeah. Was, I, was I, I, was there when, I was there when Arsenal, when they opened the Emirates Stadium and it was like an Arsenal 11 versus like a, a kind of a Dutch 11. And he played for both sides. And Edgar Davids, while he's still at Spurs, was going to be the first player to score in the stadium. Grimondi brought him down. There was no, like he'd gone around the keeper and brought him down just so he wouldn't score. And the referee guy gave him a yellow. And I thought, class act, Gilles Grimondi. Filth to the bitter end. Anyway, <laughs> digress. Uh, that's what we do, JP. Uh, yeah. Anything else before we go, or should we wrap up here? No, that's pretty much it. Shout out to everyone we met on um, uh, uh, Ref Pro. It was really good fun. And um, if I don't remember too much about the conversations, because I was shit faced, I won't lie. <laughs> I really was a mess. Uh, yeah, but no, it was really, really good meeting up with everyone in bloody good time definitely top weekend uh but yeah as usual uh, download the grapple app uh, at grapple app uh, follow them on twitter too follow me on twitter at benson richard e follow jp at jpgp don't even know what we've got to talk about next week lads what's coming up oh, i'm going to tnt on thursday there's that i'm going to see uh our mates eddie and david star have a, have a uh, scrap in, in liverpool thursday night so I can talk oh. that. Uh, it'll be AEW. I'm sure there's other stuff going on the weekend. All Japan. I'm going to oh. get it into the bitter end. Some all Japan. I believe you. I believe you. And maybe, uh, I don't know, some King of the Death matches or something, Joe? Reckon? No? I, I'll, I'll be on my way if that's the case. Just, you know, <laughs> give us give us my P45. <laughs> you know, a, a re- resignation forms will be on the way. We did say we are going to try and watch that uh, an episode of that documentary series before we record. We should. Ruth, ruthless aggression. Ruthless aggression just yeah. to put us in the mood for the show. <clears throat> we'll keep that going as like a running theme. That yeah. makes sense. Cool. So yeah, you'll be able to uh, check all that out next week and uh, yeah, all the other weird and wonderful stuff happening in the world of wrestling. So yeah, we'll catch you next Monday. Bye. Yeah.